The following episode of the Cellcast, we are reviewing a movie that has some nudity in it. While we are not talk on it too much, uh, if you have, if you're listening to this in the car with kids, you may want to skip this one for now. Uh, anyway, join us on the next one. The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. To another episode of the Cellcast. Re plus. <laughs> I forgot what episode, we're, what what show we're doing in this for that fraction of a second. <laughs> Obviously, joining me today is a man who is thankfully not a communist. Welcome, Jacob. Why, thank you. I don't want to be persecuted by you know anybody. Thank you very much. Uh, why, thank you. Let me introduce our co-host, a man who. Uh, he had this crazy idea about a bomb and wanted to help the world, but then somehow it turned into a nuclear war. So it occurs to me, just real quick, three of the plus episodes we have done, admittedly, I still need to release one of them, because a lot of those pre-regular right. episodes, it's still sitting in the back burner somewhere. Really? Which yeah. one is that? War games. Oh uh, my! Between War Games and Doctor Strangeland, and this we seem to have an atomic bomb theme, uh, theme yeah. going on in these plus episodes. Oh my god! The only one that didn't was uh, uh, Glass Onion. Yeah, and that was still a uh, part of French cuisine. I think it's in French cuisine, is it? I don't know. No, I have no idea. I'm just thinking Mushroom Cloud, Glass Onion. <laughs> Anyway, all I can think is to be like, from a glass onion, be like, you're stupid as a brick. Yeah, people have told me worse. But anyway, uh, him, the character. Right. <laughs> Why don't we go ahead and jump into the spoiler-free section <laughs> of our review of Oppenheimer? Sure thing. Certified fresh and spoiler-free. This is, of course, my first viewing of this film. I really? I to go back and watch it again. Ah. Uh, it was three hours. Mm, yes, it very yeah, much was, was three was hours. three hours or three and a half? Yeah, I think it was like... It felt like three and a half. It not did. because it was a uh, it was a slog. It's just it felt like we I was in the theater for a while and definitely needed to make a pit stop on my way home. But... Uh, it's one hour and 80 minutes. There's no, no way that's no, one no. hour. Correction, correction. 180 minutes. 180 minutes. That I, I, compl I completely misread that. 180 minutes. Uh, that puts it like a two and a half hours, actually. Yes, it's two and a half hour film. So, it feels like a three hour film. It, there's that much in it, I yeah. would say. It, like I said, it's not a depth a, to it. It is not a slog, if that's what you're thinking. Right. I say it, it felt like it was longer than it actually was, just because there was so much in it. Yeah, it's so dense. It felt like afterwards. It had to expand. Mm -hmm. That makes Agreed. sense uh, in my thoughts. So, uh, 95% of this movie, I would suggest to most people, as long as you're knowing going into it, that is, an actu is actually a biopic on J. Robert Oppenheimer mm -hmm. and not necessarily the story of the creation of the atomic bomb. Right. I need to say it that way because uh, part of the reason we decided not to watch, me and my parents decided not to watch this, outside of an obvious one, 
is when uh, my dad. I, well, I say my dad found out. Mm. My when when I informed them of the other issue, the main issue with this right, film, right? And when I'm, and I'll do it and tell you my prime dislike of mm. this film. Okay. <laughs> uh, one of the things my dad says, well, I, I, from my understanding, it's sounding more like they're going to ruin the film. I said, yeah, this seems like it's going to be more, it's more of a biopic on Oppenheimer mm-hmm. himself than the bumps, which means they're going to ruin it. It's like, well, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong because <laughs> opinions are opinions. That is true. But they're like armpits. We all have them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they stink sometimes. Yes, agreed. Not that I disagree because mm-hmm. there is some other issues I have with this, maybe just because I am not a fan of biopics. Mm hmm. But we'll get there when we get there. For for what the movie is, I think it is good. Uh, it is a movie I'm glad I got a chance to see. It is not a movie I'm going to watch again. Ah. Simply because this is one of those movies I feel like I got what I needed to get out of it. Okay. Now, granted, group of people sit down mm-hmm. to watch a movie. They throw this one in. I'm not going to say, well, I already seen this and walk out. No, I will sit there, and when I know a certain scene is coming, two certain scenes are coming up, I will go, decide so? I need nachos, <laughs> <laughs> or need to go to the bathroom and say, or just hot, let it play, or just let hot it play. nachos." I, I know what happens here. I just let it play. Yeah, I'll, I'll be right back. Yeah, <laughs> um, we'll get there in a minute, but um, yeah, I, I guess I should. I, I forgot to mention this at the top. This movie does have nudity. And the only reason I know it has nudity in it beforehand was this guy right here. Mm-hmm. Because uh, nothing in promotional materials or in anything anyone was talking about said, oh, by the way, fair warning for those of you who prefer not to see this sort of things, there is full frontal nudity in this film. Yeah. In other and stuff. I do mean full, full frontal, frontal nudity. nudity. Uh, so viewer discretion, so viewer viewer discretion is most definitely advised. Uh, the film, I, like I said, was good. I enjoyed it. It's not one I'm looking forward to watching again. It's just because it's not doesn't need a review, re- repeat viewing, in my opinion. Okay. But for it is about what I expected out of a, uh, and his name just went out of my head. The director, uh, Christopher Nolan, Christopher, is about what I expect out of a Christopher Nolan film. About about uh, 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 it, it is definitely one of his films and how he does things. It is very meticulous. Mm-hmm. It is very artistic. And there are things about it that annoy me because some things he likes to do annoys me because mm. that's just how things are. Right. It's definitely one of his films. Anyway, what are your thoughts? Uh, so a little background on watching this film. So we p- be like, I chose it for our SoCast Plus. Yes. And he asked me about it. Mm-hmm. I forgot to reply. Yes. <laughs> Until was, we, and we started talking about it the week before. So yeah, we're doing Oppenheimer. I says, I don't know. You never sold me. <laughs> So yes, we like so. Me and my girlfriend were initially like I was. So, I told I think this was like a week ago. Mm-hmm. A week ago, I told the story, but it's worth repeating again. So I asked my girlfriend very nicely if we could go and watch Oppenheimer instead of The Sound of Freedom for the podcast. She was like, "Sure, not a problem." And so she graciously applied, you know, obliged my request. So we went to a theater in tyler which is about another 30 30 32 miles away from here because the local theater in town has never played it no since its entire run yeah that's an interesting thing that is interesting they play barbie but they're not gonna play oppenheimer so no barbenheimer in jacksonville which is weird come on we'll get to talking about barbenheimer probably yes (laughs) yes but uh so we go to this one theater and we get there a little late 
and we get it because their kiosks, their mobile standard kiosks, be like for their Oppenheimer. Yeah. Oppenheimer be like if it's a rated R film, you have to buy the ticket at the theater at the box office, which was annoying. So by by the time we get up to the front of the line, be like the movie's already starting, and so Ashley's like, oh, there's another theater just down the road, and it's like, let's go to that one. Sure, let's go to that one. So we get there go to pay for tickets we can't sit together because there's so many people in this because they want to see oppenheimer because remember this was actually barbenheimer opening weekend yes opening weekend so be like okay so she's in sit, sitting in a row in front of me so so it was interesting because i'm talking with her people explaining be like this is my girlfriend in front and uh that was interesting because there again, oh, I knew I wanted it. to be a fly on the wall. Oh my, yes! Especially oh my during gosh. the two scenes like I just talked yes. about. Yes, and uh, according to my girlfriend, be like the 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 first act and second act was kind of a drag. It was kind of boring, but the third act was really good. But uh, to me, I thoroughly enjoyed the film. I enjoyed the the Christopher Nolan films. To what I have seen, mm -hmm. if you were to take the Dark Knight trilogy, which are yeah. Nolan films. And kind of just push them aside a little bit. They, they are, are slightly different. They are slightly different. They they are more of a, a studio film rather than what be like um like his other films. I've seen a yeah. few of them. I haven't seen all of them. I have apparently, and I never intended this. I mm -hmm. have there's only two of his films I haven't watched, mm. and there is early stuff. Oh, okay. I saw uh, what's the one with. So the ones I've seen, maybe this will help you remember. Mm. Of course, I've seen all three parts of the Dark Knight trilogy. Right. The Prestige, uh, Interstellar, mm. Dunkirk, Tenet, and then this movie. And then there's another one that came out in there, and I can't remember the name. That's fine. But I know I watched it. So I've seen, obviously, Oppenheimer. I saw Tenet. I saw Inception. Inception, that's the one I missed. Inception Inception is really, really good. Oh, yeah. His science fiction is spot on. Oh, yeah. And uh, Dunkirk, there again, is a another biographic. From it, the, it's not a biopic because it's not about a certain person, but it is very historical. Yeah, it's very historical. And I have it, issues with it and how it told its story, but that's not agree. there. I'd be like, I, I enjoy what he did with uh, Dunkirk. I also enjoy what he did with Tenet because there again, with um nolan he uses a lot of like sound and visuals mm -hmm. for everything and say like tenant tenant they use so much different like sound frequencies in the whole bit and it is so good hi ashley um and if you really want to hear our opinions in depth on tenant mm -hmm. go check out that movie of the week episode because yes. literally it is just me and jacob as jim was unable to make it to that recording yes so and so, we i we had some fun in the recording of we, it too. we did we did so yeah i'd be like I, I i enjoyed oppenheimer for what it was uh i wish i would have gotten a little bit of heads up on some of the scenes that came up but yeah they, you know that's what it is uh and understanding where the director was trying to go with this understanding but at the same time could have you know could have warned her brother there come on come on christopher we should have you know at least give some of us warning mm -hmm. but uh just because it's rated r doesn't mean anything because r is pretty much 
you have to go pretty far to get from R to the next one up, which yeah. is the one that's not allowed in theaters. Right. NC-17. So it yeah. doesn't, you're not really telling us much just by saying it's R, because it's like, well, there's a lot of violent stuff without nudity right. that's rated R. Right. So, right. But yeah. um, this movie overall, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know if I, I'd be like, I think I would rewatch it again at some point. Just because it's like wow, because the the story of Robert uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer. Is, yeah Oppenheimer is very compelling. It is a man who is just trying to solve something, and he's mixed with different social circles, and it winds up kind of ruining his career in some cases. And it's so by the end of this movie, I was mad. I was so furious. Because the, the 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 ways we like there again like this is based off a true story. Mm-hmm. So if you well, you know, it's based off a book, based off a true story, based off a book, based off a true story. Uh, but I, I I enjoy the movie to where I got so emo- emotionally invested at the end. I was like, oh my gosh, be like they did this to this man, and uh, wow, it was good. It was such a good movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I would recommend people go watching it. Uh, now, granted, if you are more sensitive to nudity and you know other intercourses, be definitely like, giving you good warning. On definitely this. good warning for that. But, um, yeah, would recommend Oppenheimer because it's Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan does amazing films. I haven't seen Interstellar yet, and I know some people are like, "Oh my gosh, you watch one?" Yeah, I keep hearing. Uh, I wonder where you can watch that. It's Universal, Peacock, probably maybe Peacock. Give, give it a Google search. You'll find yeah, it. I'll Google it. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, I would ha- r- recommend going watching Oppenheimer. Now, if you want to be um, Barbenheimer, or are they calling it? Barbenheimer. Yeah, Barbenheimer kind of people. It's like, yeah, that's going to be like pop and bubbly kind I'm of sure film. They're two opposite sides. Oh, yeah. I, 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 it was brilliant marketing. Do not get me wrong. It was brilliant marketing. Well, they actually got in trouble for it in Japan really yeah the uh, mattel actually got in trouble for it because they were retweeting some of that stuff and uh you can imagine that they could get in trouble they, they could get in trouble publicly with uh showing you know because yeah. where the bombs landed uh there was some hurt feelings and perhaps maybe be a little more sensitive to some things oh Oh. That sort of thing. Oh, because uh, Oppenheimer doesn't even have release yet in Japan. Really? Yeah, hasn't released in Japan. Don't know if it's going to release in Japan. That is interesting. But uh, it makes sense in some was, ways. And when I said it, it was actually because I think Warner Brothers did mm-hmm. Barbie. Yeah. Right on that. It's Warner Brothers Japan branch that uh, complained on what what's now X, uh, what used to be Twitter, mm-hmm. about a tw- about a tweet or now a post. Yeah, I hate Post. Elon Musk. You ruined it. I'm just saying that right now. Um, it's still a tweet. Yeah, it's it's that's why I'm still thinking calling it Twixter. Yeah, uh, Twixter, <laughs> Twixter. Uh, but uh, essentially, the Japanese branch of Warner Brothers complained about the home br- the U.S. branch and their gleeful uh, uh, showings of the Barbenheimer stuff with the, with the, showing the atom- the pink atomic bomb picture. Right. That. and you know nothing on the internet stays in the country it's designed for of course not and so they complained uh and they, they said they, they said yeah we don't agree with this this is not very very culturally sensitive mm. so yeah i get it yeah 
I can imagine it's kind of a pain over there. Yeah. But anyway. S sensitive, you know. A sensitive subject. Yeah. But anyway. You ready to jump into the spoiler-filled section? Yeah. Let's do that. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Oppenheimer. Listener discretion is advised. Oppenheimer was written and directed by Christopher Nolan, who also directed the Dark Knight trilogy and Tenet. It is based on the book American Prometheus, The Triumph and Tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer mm -hmm. by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sh Sherwin. Mm -hmm. Getting into the cast. Now, I did not put the whole cast list on here. Really? Because there's a huge cast and we will be oh, yeah. here yeah. all day. So mm -hmm. this is just a sampling. Yeah. A sampler platter. Of okay. Who is in this film? So it's not a security board. It might be a charcuterie board. You don't know. Okay. Better have some good cheese on there. Either way. Uh, Cillian Murphy plays J. Robert Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. Good actor. And did you know he was in Tron Legacy? I do remember him in Tron Legacy. Mm -hmm. He played Edward Dillinger uncredited. Really? Yeah. He was uncredited for the role because he's only in, he's only in that one scene yeah. as obvious setup for the uh, trilogy that never happened. Yeah. Because legacy bombed unfortunately mm. yeah good film true so uh next we got emily blunt who played kitty oppenheimer mm -hmm. and in the movie jungle cruise she played lily houghton yeah and another film that what i hear bombed again i don't know it was fun but i mean it's it's a dwayne johnson uh, doing fun stuff film i mean there's it's kind of its own genre now agreed agreed so then we got Robert Downey Jr. playing Louis Strauss. Oh, gosh. I love that performance. And he love was, it. of course, Tony Stark in the uh, MCU. Mm -hmm. Matt Damon, for once, not trapped on, an, on, on a place that the U.S. government has to get him back from. Because you know how much money in fiction that the U.S. government has oh, spent to save Matt Damon? Yeah. The Martian? <laughs> the Martian. Oh, my gosh. Saving Private Ryan. Ryan. In this movie, however, he played uh, General Leslie Groves. Mm -hmm. And like you said, he is in The Martian. He plays Mark Watney. Great movie. Great book, by the way. Florence Pugh plays Jean Tatlock. And she was uh, Yelena Belova in Black Widow. That is uh, Black oh. Widow's semi-little sister. Okay. Okay. And she was, in, and she also showed up in uh, da -da 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 -da, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Okay. I had to think. I was like, what was the name of that movie? <laughs> the TV show? Uh, okay. Josh Hart. Hartnett Hardens. Mm -hmm. played Which was Ernest amazing. I see him in this theater. I was like, oh my gosh, he's in the movie. He played Ernest Lawrence. Mm -hmm. And in the movie 30 Days of Night, he played Eben Olsen. Casey Affleck played Boris Pash. And he played Robert Ford in The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Mm -hmm. had to use the whole name there. of course of course uh and then rainy malik played david hill and in night at the museum he played pharaoh ankman ray mm. you know the pharaoh in yeah the movie anyway yes guess how many kingdom hearts connections because there are some mm. four lower two yes okay you want to make a guess as to who because they are big name actors. Oh, okay. Um I'll, I'll I'll be this nice. One of them is on screen and the other one is an executive producer of this film. 
Oh, okay. Um, oh, I can't even think of one. Go ahead. Tony Goldwyn played Gordon Gray in this. Okay. And he played Tarzan in Kingdom Hearts. Oh. He's the original voice actor for Disney's Tarzan. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Lastly, the executive one of the executive producers for Oppenheimer was hmm. James Woods. Hmm. Who has played Hades anytime Hades had a chance to play Hades? Okay, he's that's the a... only actor who's played Hades until the oh, is going to ruin that's it. that's right because I uh, um I have opinions. Well, be like kind of going to going back to the the credits of the film. I saw James Woods' name and I was like, yeah. it's like that's another James Woods, right? And nope, I was like, oh, it is the James Woods. Oh, uh, okay, interesting. So that's what I've got in cast. What do we got in info and stuff? Info and stuff. IMDb, it has a current score score of 8.7 out of 10. Watch it. Right now it's in theaters. Do not go pirate this film. Period. Uh, production was... Just be aware that when someone says wiggle room, something is going to happen. Okay. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Okay. It's 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 like the last episode. We kept just harping on this. No, no, no. Wiggle she does say I like I I prefer to have some wiggle room. Oh, that's right. And then it goes into the scene. scene. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Just, just putting that out there. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Uh production was by well, the first one. I don't remember what the cue was for the second one. All right. I think this never mind. Never mind, we can go to a tangent about that. There, are, there are many tangents. Yes, there are many tangents, but this film goes on many tangents, but still. Mm-hmm. Uh, so production was uh Cineco- Cinecopy uh sign copy. Sign copy. Okay, thank you. Sign copy. Sign I was like trying to figure out what how you pronounce that. Sign copy. I believe copy. it's pronounced sign copy. Sign copy inc. And uh Atlas Entertainment, uh distributed by Universal Pictures. Uh release date uh was first on July. 11th of this year and can you guess where it debuted oh if i had been paying attention because i know you ask me this every time i do now i do where did it debut mm. i am going to say the toronto international film festival because i don't know when it is eh. okay how about uh, well hey, let me ask this is it a film festival i think so sundance can- no Give me okay. a second. I don't know. What is it? Uh, it is La Grande Rex. Don't even know what that is. Me either. Uh, it looks like it is a stadium. It looks like a race stadium. No, correction, it is a giant cinema. Uh, giant cinema has the capability of uh, holding more than 2,700 people with a grand hall. That's a stadium. It's okay. It's a stadium. I, they they're not going to call it that, but there's it comes a point when it moves from being a, a theater <laughs> and being mm. a stadium. Yeah, okay. And I think 2000 is over that limit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> That's a big freaking stadium. Hello. Put in the charge and I turned wrong. Okay. And that's why it's in a case. Yes, exactly. If if you want things to stay a long time, be like, you know, have a long shelf life, put in the put in the case, people. What's with all the octopi geek devotion? Yeah, what's up? <laughs> I don't know what a group of octopi is, but uh, I'm afraid it's like a tangle. 
yeah uh are, are we getting tongue-tied here there's no squids in this well, I felt like, why not okay well okay i guess technically if you go into the god got the the god the toho monster godzilla verse mm -hmm. there probably is like a few mutant uh squids or octopi that got that became so because of radiation from the testing of the atomic bombs. Roar, Godzilla. Hey, just just think. You could say Gojira from yeah. 1954 yeah, is a result is of a sequel to this film. Gosh. I, 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 I cannot wait for Nate to actually do that. That's going to be oh, funny. He's already uh, talked about it on Twixter. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Twixter. That's what I'm calling it now. It's Twixter. <laughs> but, um, where was I? Ah, yes. Uh, so uh, release dates going back to the top. Uh, July 11th, July 11th of this year, uh, 2023 in Lagrange Max, and on July 21st, 2023 in America and the UK box office. As of August 2nd, 2023, Oppenheimer is grossed. One hundred and one hundred and ninety nine point nine million dollars in the United States and Canada, and in other territories, two hundred and fifty four point six million dollars, for a worldwide gross of four hundred and fifty five point five million dollars. Yeah, box office. There I, is no box office currently. There is no home release currently. I would say there is definitely a uh, is making profit. Yes, at this point. Yes, very much so. I want to check something real fast All because right. so most of the time be like so for, legacy for this movie is the entire Godzilla monster verse. <laughs> I knew you would do that. <laughs> I knew it. Go Godzilla. Oh no. They say he's got to go. Go, go Godzilla. Ooh. Please don't get a copper street strike on us, people. With a purposeful grimace and a terrible sound, he pulls the spinning high tension wires down. We're getting a copyright strike. No, we're not. <laughs> Are you sure? Helpless people on subway trains scream beguiled as he as he looks in on them. <laughs> yes, I'm sure because because the AI is not this good yet. He picks up a bus, and throws it back down as he waves to the waves to the. Snap! <laughs> oh, get the get devotions waiting for a DMC strike. Oh me! Well, it's, it's find what you needed yet. No, I haven't. I've just been vamping now. So what? 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 I? What? I'd be like because normally you you'd be like you 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 have movies you have movies that are already pre-ordered okay. like for for like TV Turtle Mayhem. You can already pre-order the Blu-ray in the book already on Amazon. So I was curious if you could already pre-order it on Amazon, but you can't right now. So I just thought it was interesting. Is he Thanos? No, he's not Thanos. He waited for the snap because I oh. could not think of the word. Yeah. I couldn't think of Wade's through the village or the oh. center of town. Oh, okay. was the line I screwed up. On. I gotcha. I gotcha. But uh, yeah, that's all I have for uh, for info and stuff. All right. Getting into the summary. In 1926, a 22-year-old J. Robert Oppenheimer suffers from homesickness and anxiety while studying under Patrick Blackett at the Cavendish Laboratory in Cambridge. After Blackett forces him to miss part of a lecture, Oppenheimer injects an apple left for him with cyanide. 
He has a change of heart the next day, however, and narrowly prevents visiting scientist Niels Bohr from eating it. Oppenheimer completes his PhD in physics at the University of Göttingen in Germany, where he meets Werner Heisenberg. He returns to the United States, hoping to expand quantum physics research there and begins teaching at the University of California, Berkeley and the California Institute of Technology. He meets his future wife, Catherine Puning. Puning? Sorry, I'm going to say that wrong. A biologist and ex-communist, ex he has an intermittent affair with Jean Tatlock, a member of the Communist Party USA, until her suicide. In 1942... U.S. Army General Leslie Groves recruits Oppenheimer to lead the Manhattan Project to develop an atomic bomb for Oppenheim after Oppenheimer assures Groves that he has no communist sympathies. Oppenheimer, who is Jewish, is particularly driven by the possibility of the Nazis completing their nuclear weapons program under Heisenberg's supervision. Oppenheimer assembles a scientific team including Edward Teller and Isidore Isaac Rabbi in Los Alamos, New Mexico, to secretly create the bomb. He coordinates with other sites, such as the Met Lab in Chicago, where he meets Enrico Fermi and David L. Hill. He also visits Albert Einstein to discuss how mm -hmm. an atomic bomb would trigger an unstoppable chain reaction that could destroy the world. Now, for those of you who have been who are listening to this and have seen the movie, will know I have missed, I left out a couple spots. Mm -hmm. And that's because the movie is kind of told a little out of order. This is chronological. Okay, makes sense. Thought I'd mention that. When Germany surrenders in World War II, some, pro some project scientists doubt the bomb's continued importance, but Oppenheimer assures them that the bomb is still necessary to end the war with Japan. The bomb is completed, and the Trinity test is successfully conducted just before the Potsdam Conference on July 16, 1945. President Harry S. Truman orders the atomic bombs be dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, forcing Japan's surrender and thrusting Oppenheimer into the public eye as the father of the atomic bomb. Haunted by the destruction and suffering, which he feels personally responsible for, Oppenheimer urges Truman to close Los Alamos and not develop even more powerful weapons. Truman perceives Oppenheimer's distress as weakness and insists that as president, he alone bears responsibility for the bomb's use. Mm. Oppenheimer advocates against further nuclear development, especially the hydrogen bomb proposed by Teller. His stance becomes a point of contention amid the tense Cold War with the Soviet Union. Louis Strauss, chairman of the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission, resents Oppenheimer for publicly dismissing his concerns regarding the export of radioisotopes and for recommending arms talks after the Soviets detonate their first atomic bomb. He also believes Oppenheimer criticized him to Einstein. At a hearing intended to remove Oppenheimer from political influence, hang on, Oppenheimer is betrayed by Teller and other associates. Mm -hmm. Strauss exploits Oppenheimer's associations with current and former communists such as Tatlock and Oppenheimer's brother, Frank, uh, Frank, despite Rabbi and several other allies testifying in Oppenheimer's defense. Oppenheimer's security clearance is prematurely revoked, damaging his public image and neutralizing his policy influence. Five years later, at Strauss's Senate confirmation hearing, to become Secretary of Commerce, Hill testifies that Strauss's personal motives in engineering Oppenheimer's downfall. The Senate votes against Strauss's nomination in private and enraged Strauss rants against Oppenheimer as a hypocrite who would do it again if he had the chance because it made him important. In 1963, President Lyndon B. Johnson presents Oppenheimer the Enrico Fermi Award as a gesture of political rehabilitation. Oppenheimer and Einstein's conversation is then revealed to not have been about Strauss, but the far-reaching implications of nuclear weapons. When Oppenheimer ominously stated that he believes he did not start a chain reaction, that when Oppenheimer ominously saying that he believes he did indeed start a chain reaction that will destroy the world. 
getting into the trivia for this. In order for the black and white sections of the movie to be shot in the same quality as the rest of the film, mm -hmm. Kodak developed the first ever black and white film stock for IMAX cameras hmm. because this film was shot in IMAX and then converted for the rest of his peons to see it. Because mm -hmm. not all of us wanted to pay that extra money. Yeah, but that would have been so good. To I watch. don't know. Most of this film being uh, mostly people standing around talking. Yeah, sure. There's only one scene in here that really I think would agree. Uh, agree with that. Okay. Really, really would. I'll, I'll get to the rest of the in a minute. But there's only yeah. one scene here that I feel really would would uh, be good for an IMAX experience, and that being the actual test. Yeah. But most of the rest of the movie, it's just them sitting around talking. It's like that's not really good that's that, that's not what i go to an imax movie to watch okay that's just me anyway it'd be something like like tenet or something like that but tenet, yeah yeah that's definitely that. imax or interstellar yeah uh, matt damon was on break from acting as a promise to his wife with one condition hmm. it would go on hold if christopher nolan called fair <laughs> as luck would have it <laughs> nolan offered damon the role of leslie groves and the break went on hold <laughs> The score for the film doesn't feature any drums. Hmm. As director Christopher Nolan and composer Ludwig uh, Göransson mm -hmm. felt using a sound typically associated with the military would be inauthentic to musically capture the character of J. Robert Oppenheimer. Fair. On December 16th, 2022, J. Robert Oppenheimer's security clearance was posthumously reinstated by the U.S. Department of Energy. Almost 70 years after it was first revoked by its predecessor, the Atomic Energy Commission. Speaking to the New York Times, Kai Bird, co author of American Prometheus, the Pulitzer Prize winning biography on Oppenheimer's life and inspiration for the film, reflected on the AEC's famously flawed security hearing, the push from the scientific community to restore Oppenheimer's clearance, and the Energy Department's decision saying, I'm overwhelmed with emotion. History matters, and what was done to Oppenheimer in 1954 was a travesty, mm -hmm. a black mark on the honor of the nation. Students of American history will now be able to read the last chapter and see what was done to Oppenheimer in the kangaroo court uh -huh. proceeding that was was not the last word. Harry, the Harry S. Truman line, don't you ever let, bring that crybaby back. Crybaby. Don't you ever bring that crybaby back here ever again is actually historically factual. That sounds like Truman. Truman did actually say that to his staff after meeting Oppenheimer. When in the bunker, Oppenheimer says that he'll know if the bomb is successful in one hour and 58 minutes. The bomb goes off in the movie at exactly the one hour and 58 minute mark. Genius. On the contrast of color versus black and white film, Christopher Nolan has stated it was both to orient the audience to the correct time period as well as signal a different point of view. J. Robert Oppenheimer's memories are presented mostly in color, whereas the fallout of his actions are presented in a more simplistic and judgmental black and white, taking the point of view of Louis Strauss's character. Mm -hmm. The scene of Kitty Oppenheimer refusing to shake Edward Teller's hand after his negative testimony at the Oppenheimer security hearing yeah. happened in real life. Teller cried over Kitty's public rejection. Hmm. The Trinity detonation scene uses a combination of practical effects and digital compositing, 
Multiple explosions were performed practically with a hybrid of gasoline, propane, aluminum, and magnesium substances involving big miniatures. These were filmed at high speeds from multiple angles and then layered using digital effects to create the iconic mushroom cloud. During a particularly haunting scene where J. Robert Oppenheimer convenes with the people of Los Alamos to seemingly celebrate the bombs being dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, he is struck with ghastly visions of people suffering from the effects of the bomb in mm. front of his eyes. Yeah. One person in particular is a young woman shown facing Oppenheimer as pieces of her skin begin peeling off of her face. The actress playing this woman is actually Christopher Nolan's daughter, Flora Nolan. Hmm. Wow. Because he said, uh, I, think, I think what I read was, and I don't know why I didn't put this in the trivia, uh, if you're going to do uh, destruction like this, this, is very personal. Yeah. Basically is what he said. I may I have that you. quote wrong. Gotcha. But yeah, that's what I've got for the trivia. What is your first like for this film? My first like of this film is the scale, the scale of this film. Because they're going to be like, it's very bold. Like anything Christopher Nolan does, there again, you take the Dark Knight, push it aside. Not saying it's three bad films. I'm not. I know some people will say Dark Knight Rises just stinks. It does. I was, was going to say, no, it's two good films and one meh film. Yeah, it's kind of a meh film. Like, it's done very well, but it's meh film. It steals a scene from Batman 66. But anyway, yeah, nuance. Or a plot but, point, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> so, be like, you take those films out of the way and you just look at. Um, Christopher Nolan's filmography, this fits right in because mm -hmm. it is the the scale in which he tells a story. He uses he is very much a visual storyteller. He's an audio sto sto uh, storyteller, and the way that he uses traditional filmmaking, he doesn't use heavy CGI. He uses compositing, layering, to like an artist would, like a true artist would. Like traditional art, mm -hmm. it's traditional styles. I love like the more I understand about this film, the more I understand how he did it and the way he did it and the method he the methodology he used was just oh my gosh, just props is like a nice little slow clap for that. Just the 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 amount of detail he put into um, developing the story and the 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 layers of character and what's going on the the revelation what's really going on be like behind the scenes why all of this is happening because of uh um uh robert downey jr's character it's like oh 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 that's interesting like, oh, because a poor little man didn't get be like thought he was being down. He wasn't being um, he wasn't being be appreciated by Albert Einstein, one of the other geniuses of the planet, because he felt jaded. <laughs> but uh, uh, just like the general storytelling, and this was um, the the storytelling visually and audibly, just very well done, like artistic, just masterpiece when it comes to just like how he does everything in this film is so well done using black and white using color using traditional traditional methods of filmmaking going back to its roots of art and being an artist myself i appreciate that so much and understanding more and more of 
learning and doing this podcast for review. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like props, Mr. Nolan. Amazing job when it comes to visual audio storytelling, traditional storytelling. I was just like blown away by that. So yeah, that's my first like. My first like for this film is the atomic explosion itself. Okay. I was going to say the effects, specifically the practical effects. Yes. But uh, there's not a lot of them. No, there's, <laughs> there's not. not much necessary for because literally it's the atomic bomb and the lady's skin peeling off. That's actually off of a Christopher Nolan's daughter. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which is like, that's all that I'm sure there's some other little things here and there, but. Right. I am weird in the fact that I don't consider compositing CG effects. And so many people do because we could do compositing before computers, guys. It's just now we can do it digitally. Yeah. It's still the same thing. But um, it's, it's not something that came about because of computers is what mm. I'm trying to get at. But the actual explosion of the atomic mm. bomb itself, uh, obviously, I knew they couldn't set off an atomic bomb and film of, it. because Of course not. Boy, A, that's expensive. B, it breaks several laws of the Geneva Convention, I think. It does. <laughs> and uh, boy, would that have raised a stink. I don't think I'm Christopher Nolan has that much pull, to be honest. No, I don't think so. So I knew they had to recreate this thing, and, and uh, I was expecting to be underwhelmed because it wasn't going to be, you know, like uh, it, 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 I, I assumed it was not going to be as good as it, as it could have been. Fair. And it's actually done very well. Granted, mm -hmm. even when I was sitting there, I was going, oh, those are gasoline explosions. I've seen that on Mythbusters a hundred times. I know how they made this. <laughs> they just composited it to be huge. Mm -hmm. uh, they took advantage of the fact that fire and things like fire and water and particle effects do not scale correctly when you make it big. So this actually just made it look humongous against the countryside. That's awesome. And uh, I, I, I thought it looked good. I, it I'm not sure it looked like an actual atomic explosion. Mm. And I am basing that solely off of the videos that we do have of atomic explosions, mm -hmm. in which you can see eclipses from a lot of those at the end of Dr. Strangelove. Right. And admittedly, those are not in color, mm -hmm. but you get an idea as to the how it actually kind of, how the hat forms. It's not as dramatic. I think it is dramatic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, I, I, I felt it, it looked good. It looked, it may not have been perfect, but I thought it looked good and I appreciated how much work. Cause I'm sure that is where it, a lot of work went mm -hmm. into, went into that. Cause I mean, I think I read in there, it's, they did multiple explosions. They mm -hmm. filmed those explosions from different angles with high speed cameras mm -hmm. so they could get, you know, little details here and there. And then they yeah. had to construct that uh, atomic explosion from all of these things to yeah. make it look good. I'm sure they were having to Photoshop frames too to get the actual look of how this goes. Oh yeah, none of that is easy. And while we do have reference video to go off of, yeah, it's not great reference video for the kind of angles we are looking at. Yeah, it's all from above, mm -hmm. not from below. Not yeah, the horror side as I like yeah. to think of it. Not the sides like oh, I am seeing death. <laughs> Mm -hmm. coming towards me uh it's not that side of it so i mean it looked good mm -hmm. i thought it was uh it i thought the effect was done well and they did a good job with it agreed and i was impressed when i went back and was doing the research that 
there was no digital in it because I was literally coming out of the theater saying, "Well, one of my likes is going to be how they digitally created the fire because there's no way that fire that that must took a lot of work is how hard fire is to do digitally." Mm-hmm. It's not. <laughs> it's not digital. It's, yeah, it's all it's all practical. Practical. I was like, "Well, that explains how they pulled that off." Mm-hmm. Which is the really the way you should do it. If you yeah, can do agreed. it practically, you should do it practically because it always looks more real agreed. somehow. Anyway, what's your second like? My second like it goes into the the breadth of this film. You go into because there again, this film feels like it's a three hour tour. It's a three hour film. <laughs> three hour tour. Yeah, three hour tour. Come sit right back yeah, exactly. to the tale of the man who created the atom bomb. <laughs> but uh like started in the new mexico desert (laughs) i'm wondering where you're going with i don't want it's about as far as i can okay good but uh like the the breath and and uh the the gravity in which he tells the story be like you you have the the perspectives where it's in black and white and then it's in oppenheimer's Mm -hmm. perspective and you get all of these nice little details of how the story is woven and through visual storytelling because when you get to the uh, the 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 mock trials, as it is, yeah, it, it's all shot in black and white for the most part, and uh, it's done beautifully. It gives you that gravitas of what's the uh, w- what's coming, what's going on, and you see the the uh, manipulation and the you know we're we're pulling strings here and be like this is a, a what did you call it? A, a puppet court. Kangaroo court. Kangaroo court. It's a kangaroo court. How it's done, and it's all shot in black and white, and uh, like it's all shot on IMAX in black and white. Yeah, which is you don't incredible. see that often. You don't you, see this it. This is the first time it's been done where it looks right. Well, they're gonna be. It's, it's a. You're no, just upscale. Yeah, it's Nolan. Like, Nolan no, can get away with this. Nolan can get away. He's with He's one it. of the last directors who could force Hollywood to do something like this. Exactly, and uh, the fact that like some of this was like most of it was shot during the co- you know COVID uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. They're like. It's done beautifully. Um, that they be like they use the correct uh, period, the setting, clothing, the whole bit. Uh, like you, you don't see a modern anything in this film because it's, it's supposed to be in the 1930s, 1930s, 40s. Well, I suspect there may have been some differences in there, but I couldn't yeah. place them. And I love it unless you're just like such, you know. You know, you know, cars of that period be like, well, that car didn't come out until 1946 or something like that. Yeah. But uh, I, I appreciate the way his, the way he's, um, how he visually told the story and be like, it was all kind of like how he did Dunkirk. Dunkirk was shot in um, from different perspectives until they all kind of just merged together at the end of the film. Where with this one, it's, we're we're being thrown with this mar- uh, barrage of different scenes that at first are not making sense, but then as you go further and further into the film, it's our, it's all sort of gelling together as a story, mm-hmm. and uh, I enjoy that. I know for some people that may be the most boring thing on the planet, but when you come to like a storytelling again visually, because there again I love visual storytelling, and. Uh, Nolan always is out of the park. It is just, it's breathtaking. It's like, wow. It's like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm seeing the, the weave here. I'm seeing the, yeah. the gentle understanding of where things are going with the uh, storytelling through a visual medium. 
And I think I'm going to harp on that a lot because I love the mm-hmm. visual storytelling of this no, movie. If we didn't like visual storytelling, we couldn't really do an animation podcast. That is true. That is true. But, you know, trying to be more, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But just, oh, my gosh. Wow. Just the, the way he uses the camera and the way he, like, uses uh, black and white and traditional mm-hmm. and muted colors when you get down to the point where the, the bomb is dropped and you get this somber color be like the the you changes and you start to feel what Oppenheimer's feeling through the 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 use of the lens and all this film is primarily a lot of close-ups of people's faces yes it's not a lot of um landscape scenes unless you're in the desert a lot of there are some landscape scenes I agree there are there are a lot of all these scenes are indoors so there's not any chance of it and so you're just it's people blocking you. This could easily be a theatrical, a, a, a theatrical play. Yeah, you could, could very easily. And uh, the uh, again, his his stage use of play. That's what I was stage play. Say. Okay, his his use of uh, just shooting just like faces and the whole of bit because sometimes that can get really boring. But when you're using it to for a dramatic effect with storytelling. It's done beautifully, mm-hmm. especially when you towards get the end, you get Robert Downey Jr.'s character who is like, okay, this is a cool character. By the end of the movie, I'm like, you son of a snitch. <laughs> like you, I was so mad. I was so freaking you, mad. You're by supposed the to be. Oh, I know. I know. That was, that was the whole intent. And that's what like, drove me that emotional, uh, uh, to that, that emotional point yeah. in the story. And I'll get to that one in a minute. But uh, man, he I mean, like, oh my gosh, Nolan, like usual, just to be like nails that apart when it comes to visuals. So yeah, that's my second. Just like you know, again, the storytelling through visuals and just the way he uses the camera and way he uses um, the changing the you of the the scene to invoke mm-hmm. emotion. And oh, it's so good, so good. Oh my gosh, yes. What's your number two? My second like for this, I'm kind of jumping on top of yours. It's not really intentional, just how it's happening. I liked the use of color for Mm -hmm. the scenes told from Oppenheimer's point of view. Yes. And the scenes in black and white from Strauss's point of view. Yes. It makes, and the reason I say that is from Oppenheimer's point of view, there are a lot of, we would, we might say gray areas. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more nuance yeah. to a lot of the decisions he was making, according to this movie and this book yes. and, and the book this is based on. Mm-hmm. Putting it that way, because I actually don't know exactly what happened, and I've not actually studied this part of, uh, I've not actually studied J.R. Robert Oppenheimer, so I don't don't know anything about the man besides he created the atom bomb and what this movie has told us. Yeah, putting that in perspective, but from the perspective of this film. There are a lot of different nuances as to what he was doing. He was, while he was fine associating with the Communist Party, it's because he thought there were some ideals there that the other side wasn't handling. Mm-hmm. A lot of things he maybe probably really wasn't going for, but it's like, well, they had some other good ideas, that sort of thing. Yeah. Nuances, little yeah. differences here and there. You, I don't necessarily agree with his thinking. Yeah. Don't get me of wrong course. there. Of course. But there are, from his point of view, as to why he was making the decisions he was making from early on when he's working at Berkeley or even when he's at, uh, 
he puts the cyanide in the apple, which is a weird scene. Mm-hmm. And even uh, Oppenheimer's son says he wishes they hadn't put that scene in the film. Um, because it's not even they don't even know if it's true. It's yeah. might be a little bit of an urban legend. But um there, there's actually a lot of urban legends about Oppenheimer. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's part yeah. of what we're seeing in here. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of little nuances in here from his point of view. Then you get to Strauss's point of view, mm-hmm. and it's black and white. And why is it black and white? Mm-hmm. Because you're either for Strauss. Or you're, or you're, you're against, against Strauss. Mm-hmm. So every situation is black and white. Yes. From his point of view, you either are for me or against me. It does not matter if there's some nuance to the reason. This mm-hmm. it, You are A or you're B. Whereas from Oppenheimer's point of view, everyone he dealt with, mm-hmm. including Strauss, mm-hmm. he, underst- he noted the little nuances in how they did things. Yeah. Also remember... Quantum mechanics comes up a lot in this. It does. Uh, it has very little to do in reality, I think, if, well, based on my limited understanding, mm-hmm. to actually do with what went into the atomic bomb. Yeah. But it, it may have. I, I will admit, Yeah, I don't understand the science, a lot of the science in this either. But... Um, sorry. Brain fart. Uh, he, from his point of view, there's a lot of things happening at once it could be going one way it could be going the other mm-hmm. uh, and that comes up a couple other little times in here um that's why i think in his version it's color it's because he's seeing things from multiple angles multiple points of view in a way yeah he's trying to do the calculus for lack of a better term yeah on everything that he's seeing that's why his is in colors because how he's approaching it Whereas Strauss mm-hmm. is the entire time looking as like, you're either for me or you are against me. Mm-hmm. There is only one and there is only zero. Okay. Anakin Skywalker. I'm just saying. Yeah. Agreed. That's not intended to be uh, a reference to that. Oh, I know. But uh, it, it, that's just, it's just the way they see the world. Yeah. Agreed. And you, and they, and he did that through color. At first I was thinking like anyone else is, oh, this is showing one time period when it's in color and another time period when it's in black and white, which if you're thinking of it in that way, it's a little weird that the farther past stuff is in color while the the more close to the present stuff is in black and white because that's backwards from how we normally think of things Mm -hmm. psychologically because of, you know, how uh, visual media was created with, you know, Mm -hmm. starting with black and white and then going to color. Uh, But... Uh, it's not, that's it's not showing time period. Yeah, time period is coincidental in this. Yeah, that they're showing two different time periods at this time. It's Agreed. literally showing one person's way of thinking mm-hmm. versus another person's way of thinking, and yeah. that's I appreciate it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with the uh, because this idea because like we we have this thing if you like if you don't agree with me you hate me or something like that in our modern text. Mm-hmm. Where with this, you're you're talking about the the end of the Truman the 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 Truman era because they're gonna be history nerd. And uh this part I went, oh crap, this error. The, well, the second he's the one who had to approve the atomic bomb law. Oh, I, I agree. Roosevelt I'm, was gone. Yeah, Roosevelt kind of died in died in his, his fourth term. But uh the this idea of like you know, tru, you know, Truman had done his thing, and then you get into uh the the second red scare the second red scare where uh america was now they were approaching 
they were uh more they were going towards russia mm-hmm. with the the cold war and there was the 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 communist scare the the red scare that they were they were infiltrators throughout the government there was a fear and so you had all these um mock trials to prove that you're not a communist and um i was like when, when i realized what they were doing i was like oh bill i i love that because be like i haven't studied it so well but when i watched the movie i watched a ton of documentaries over it and to understand it better mm-hmm. and it was like it just made it more it's be like it's it's to me it's okay to have a different opinion yeah and uh be like even if it's like a radical opinion it's totally fine to have a radical opinion and uh it, like even in oppenheimer's be like he kind of he agreed and disagreed with the communist party back in the 1930s back and, when he thought it was one thing yeah back when he thought it was one thing but he didn't be like when he starts realizing oh they're actually going this way be like nope i i don't want anything to do with you but the the idea that our associations with things can lead to consequences that are beyond our control and to to lead that into the the brilliant setup of how this movie cascades into its story mm-hmm. is the the conversation we don't hear at first between um Albert Einstein and Oppenheimer at the institution yeah because it's like it's like oh they they brought in Einstein oh that's genius well i mean but, i was sitting there watching and, and you know there's a part of me yeah granted that because of when I would have learned of different names of people from mm-hmm. this point of history. Yeah. In my mind, Einstein is in one camp over here. Yeah. The atomic bomb people are in another camp over yeah. here. I had heard Heisenberg before because of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. He's over here. <laughs> Niels Bohr I'd heard before. He's over in this camp. None of these, they, they ever made a connection to me. That's like, yeah. oh, they were contemporaries of each other. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, like, even out, even like, even the film, it's kind of referenced that yeah. Einstein is be like he was kind of uh, like he was used as a reference to the creation of the atomic bomb, even though oh, he, he wasn't came connected. up with the science. He came up with the science to do it because it's Albert Einstein. Yeah. And uh, this this whole the whole catalyst of this movie is that conversation between Albert Einstein and, and Oppenheimer, where uh, Strauss cannot hear the conversation, and so he becomes obsessed that Oppenheimer has put Einstein against him. And so now he thinks everybody's against them. And uh, this this genius webbing of how what's mm-hmm. going on and Robert Johnny Jr.'s performance as Strauss is genius. Cause it's more of like he's be like he's he wants to bring Oppenheimer down because he believes he's everybody's against him. And I, it's like, oh, okay. And this uh and so you get this this brilliant monologue where Strauss is unveiling everything. Mm-hmm. And be like because because he because he's done this and be like he's destroy he's destroying my reputation so I'm gonna bring him down. And so his uh, his assistant because now the the press has gotten hold of what Strauss has done, and this brilliant line if I remember correctly it's like yeah sir be like he he tells Strauss is like sir just to be honest be like how, how be like what if they weren't talking about you and they go into they go back mm-hmm. to that conversation and it's just a conversation about what they were talking about earlier about, about the future of what they'd done yeah about the future what they were doing or what the consequences of their actions exactly was. And it was so brilliantly done because then you have strauss who has become so paranoid 
that his life has been ruined because his uh, his uh well this guy who had ties to the communist party oh yeah is of now, course. Has, uh, made fun of him berated him and and yeah, of course his, his this, this, is, against, this yeah. is during inter einstein against him during the and he's noting all this during the cold war he must still have communist ties yeah exactly i'm he, gonna destroy him because because, because of the, that because the u.s communist party mm -hmm. was the same communist party as the one that took over russia yeah it's like well probably not though i don't agree with either one yeah agreed because there can be i think the the people get into things they don't realize exactly, what it is and, and exactly you have to they have, when they come around you have to kind of say yeah i told you so and let's move on with life yeah exactly and also historically there were so many people that were you know in mock trials because they had you know connection with you know communist parties or people who had communist connections that their lives were completely ruined by it mm -hmm. now I, I understand where the government was going because we gotta they have trying to make sure the communist threat was curtailed yeah make sure it was like you know nipped in the butt be like was that but bud. it destroyed bud, bud bud sorry i was hard to butt but bud um nipped in the butt doesn't sound right at all <laughs> i know i know i know i know nuance but no not nuance okay not nuance whatever <laughs> whatever it's uh, like it's the the idea that you got a lot of people who maybe had connections with people their lives were completely ruined mm -hmm. because of this red scare now, understanding why they did it, but at the same time, it ruined people's lives and yeah. cloning Oppenheimers. And that's what made me mad. I was like, I was like, oh my God, me like this really happened. And it was like really happened to a lot of people that their lives were ruined because they had some connection with something else. Mm -hmm. And th this idea now we, we take a like a 21st century look at it that if you if you had any connection with somebody who said this or this or this would be like oh we're gonna we're going to cancel you we're going yes. to do this we're gonna roast you on social media yeah exactly for something you said 10 years ago it's like the you know, it's, it's 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 not it's not a rent scare it's a social scare mm -hmm. it's a lot of us of a virtue signaling and self-righteousness exactly exactly you know that's what strauss was doing Strauss was like, you know what? I don't like and this guy. I'm, I'm going to destroy his career. Plus, or, or taking advantage of it, because in my mind, at least the way this movie presented it, mm -hmm. he wants to be the one on top, doesn't want to go back to being what was that, exactly. a shoe salesman. Exactly. So it's like, so he's trying to play the political game any way he can to stay on top. And Yeah, because I, I think at one point he made a mistake about 10 moves ago. Yeah, exactly. And that's I just love the genius of how they do that. With how Strauss kind of literally, <laughs> figuratively hangs himself with it, mm -hmm. because he like his under, under his unveiling of his be like this is what I did, and how my paranoia got a got a hold of me, and it's just like this like the the storytelling again is genius in this film, and uh, oh my gosh yeah because I, I got mad I was like oh my gosh this is the whole reason this guy's going through this. It's like wow, because then it makes you think of like what you've done in the past yeah. and what what people can go and like like there again with our more modern twenty first century view of things is like they they'd be like you did anything in your past like you said something or you wrote something down and like people can come after you and you know uh, blacklist you or so you know socially uh, uh, cancel you yeah. in some capacity and that's like 
frightening because you're always kind of double checking everything you've ever done it's just like you know did i say this right did i say this right mm -hmm. and you know for a person who's kind of been paranoid for a couple of years uh that's just like oh did i did i see something in the past that now could get me in trouble and um but uh yeah it's it, it kind of brings perspective to what's going on now in our culture and it's just like wow and also the fact be like if we were to take a christian perspective is that we we have this tendency of uh like peer people are going to cancel us this and this and this but be like even Christ says, be like uh fear not for i'm with you to the end of age you know because if you are in christ be like why do you have the fear of man mm -hmm. be like why, why why do you fear of principalities why do you fear of uh wars and you know rumor of wars and you know, and our, our our culture, definitely our modern culture, it's more be like fear mongering. We're gonna be like it, like this is gonna destroy our country. Be like, as long as our foundation is in Jesus and what He did for us, be like we're fine. Be like they, they can the the worst thing it do, they can do is kill us physically, because we know where our where our yeah. where our destination is. We know where we are going because Jesus has us. Because we He's never gonna leave us, never forsake us. Mm -hmm. So. Um, this idea that we we live in fear and and I, I don't think uh Oppenheimer Oppenheimer was amazing he he wasn't afraid he wasn't afraid of it because he was just a man trying to understand things yeah and um there again I'm not trying to you know do because I just think the idea because we we live in this culture now that it's like full of fear and that kind of stuff we shouldn't be afraid of it we shouldn't be afraid of what people might do to us and it's just it's something that I kind of wrestle with Mm -hmm. So it's just like not being afraid of, you know, principalities and the world and the government and, you know, this, this, and this, and might get canceled because we like, we, we know where we lie. We know who, yeah. who, where, where our, where our allegiance, where our, our hope lies. Mm -hmm. So why should we be afraid? Something I'm working on. That's my number three. My third like, <laughs> okay. Might be seen as a minor thing, but I am, Pointing this out to give an example of the attention to detail that this film has. In the scene where uh, Gene Tatlock's death occurs. Mm -hmm. Yes. She is shown mostly because it's not 95. We're like 95% sure she committed suicide yeah. after Oppenheimer broke up with her. Yeah. Or he would he we would no longer yeah he would no, no longer, longer see his, her he no longer see her yeah and she you know drowned herself yeah. in which the is always said yeah except there is one short like blink and you'll miss it section when they're showing all that that you see a hand pushing her head down into the water that's a right gloved hand oh you do that's right I looked that up because I was curious like what's all that about was this was was she killed or, but every other time they should, because they only show it the one time. Yeah. The rest of the time when they go back to that little flashback, especially since it's from his point, mm -hmm. uh, Oppenheimer's point of yeah, view, yeah, it's yeah. always suicide. Yeah. So I looked it up. Yeah. We don't actually, it was very likely that she committed suicide. Yeah. There's also a good chance that that, uh, that guy that they brought in that, you know, was going to, what was going, was, uh, Going to, you know, th mm. that Oppenheimer said things he probably shouldn't have when yeah. with the Communist Party. He's a little, uh, let's say, uh, 
patriotic and touchy and you mm. attack America, you're dead. Yeah. You do anything to mess with America, you're dead. Yeah. There's a good chance it was him that killed Kitty. Or not Kitty. Um, Jean, Jean mm-hmm. Talbot. Uh, but we don't know this for certain. There is no record because it would have been done in secret. And, mm-hmm. and if any record would have been kept, it would have been a matter of national security technically. And so we wouldn't know about it. True. And that paperwork probably by this point would be long gone. So we don't actually know. But there, that is the rumor going around that it was that she did not die because of suicide, that she was actually killed and made it look like suicide. Yeah. And but, I, and that attention to detail that they went to the trouble of showing that scene instead of just picking one. And granted, they did pick yeah. one for the most part, because right. like we said, the evidence mostly is pointing towards mm-hmm. that was suicide. Yeah. But there's just enough doubt in there that they let, left us enough doubt about what actually was her uh, fate. Yeah. In that when, when, uh, going into her death. Mm-hmm. So I, and they, and it's that attention to detail you see like throughout the film in mm-hmm. different spots. Like I said, the, the reason I only put in a smattering, a, a charcuterie, as we said earlier, yeah, of um, our sample platter of the cast in mm-hmm. this because the cast is huge. Yes, we would have been here a long time. We probably still would have been going through people had I put the entire cast list on here. Yeah, agreed. Um, and that's why I only put some of them on here because there are so many characters that show up maybe for just one or two scenes that are, that that are named because Mm -hmm. we know who they were and they all are contributing to the large, the the workings of the story, even if it's just in a little way, but it's all, there's never a point in time. There are times of course, when you're looking at a scene, it's like, Oh, that's just a random extra. Mm -hmm. That's just this, that's just, you know, that that's just there to help fill the scene. It's like, Oh, we need a crowd scene. Put a bunch of extras in there. Yeah. No, in most cases, every extra, every quote unquote extra you see in this film has a name. Yeah. And is based on an actual person. Yeah. Because we kind of know what they were all doing. Yeah. And the places where we don't know exactly what happened, very good guesses are made. Mm-hmm. And at some points, you know, like I said with the apple, they there are times where it's like, well, we don't know if this happened or not. We kind of have to present the story the way the best way we can and. I don't know. I guess if you're that angry at your professor, not that I can imagine ever being that angry at a, at a, a teacher of any kind. And plus, trust me, I had a few teachers I was not too fond of. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever would have thought of let's put cyanide in the, in the right. apple for them to eat. And it's not like he didn't think twice about it later on. Of course. Um, but, uh, but there's that much detail into the looks of like, every, like, the guy that they put on the team that was really interested in the hydrogen bomb. Mm-hmm. That almost has nothing to do with the story yeah. in general, other than Oppenheimer said, we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on the atomic bomb mm-hmm. because whatever, what you need for the hydrogen bomb, we need to make for the atomic bomb too. Cause we almost have to make the atomic bomb before we can make the hydrogen bomb based on what you're saying. Right. And there's, and the, they, they keep those elements of the story going through here and even and comment on it later, but for the most part, any other movie, you drop that storyline because it leads virtually to nothing. Yeah. But they were so interested in making sure they presented the entire story, even all the little fiddly bits that don't seem to connect to maybe what makes sense for a movie. Yeah. The plot line that 
granted, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of times where it's like, this feels like everything's just out there. And it's like a, a big wad of spaghetti yeah. that you're kind of looking through. There, there's meat there, and there's a lot of good meat. It's a good plate of spaghetti, but yeah. there's a lot of loose ends. and But they're loose ends that are there because of life, and you have to cut the string somewhere. Sure. You can't show everything. They tried to show as much as they can, even stuff that was not there. And like I said, the my I appreciate the, even just the little bits we got here and there of well, it may have been this, it may have been that. And it's perfectly shown by whether whether with the just the one the, the two seconds of, of a quarter of a screen of a hand pushing her yeah. head down in the water when the rest of the time there was no hand pushing her down mm-hmm. in the water. And there's no way of knowing who that was. And it's never commented on ever again in yeah. the film. And I that's why I had to go and look it up. It's like, what's that about? Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, those little bits of detail I very much appreciate. And that is that is Nolan to a T. Yeah, agreed. So I, I wanted to throw one little bonus caveat out here. So when we knew that Oppenheimer was going to go see Truman, because I'm thinking like, who's playing Truman? Who's playing Truman the entire time? Yeah, I didn't like, put that on so my. I was cast like, list. "Who is that?" And I was like, and I saw it. I heard him. I was like, "It's Gary Oldman." It's like, oh my gosh, yes, because <laughs> Gary Oldman is an amazing actor. Yeah, because the funny thing is, you could put five Gary Oldman performances next to each other and never know it's Gary, and, and never exactly. realize it's the same guy. He, he's such a like. I don't know if he's a method actor, but he's such a method actor. I'm looking but, forward to when you do Kung Fu Panda Two, as he plays the villain in that. Oh my yes! Oh my gosh! He be like Gary Oldman plays amazing, and when be like you see him as Truman because in a couple of years ago he played um, oh ah Gary Oldman's like an everything. yeah he's in everything uh the 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 darkest the darkest night I believe it's called uh he plays um the the British Prime Minister during World War Two. And I'm drawing a blank. Darkest I, Hour? Yeah, Darkest Hour. And Churchill? Churchill. He played Churchill. And uh, that was what I've seen. I want to see the film. I haven't seen it yet, but I was just, oh, my gosh. But when I saw that he was playing Truman, and I heard him, and I was like, oh, my gosh. He sounds like Truman. He acts like Truman. I'm like, oh. I was sitting there. I guarantee you, if my, my girlfriend would see me, he was like, what in the world are you doing? They're like, it's Gary Oldman. <laughs> I was, I was like, oh my gosh, that nice little surprise that Gary Oldman was playing President Truman. It was like, awesome, cool. And that little line be like, yeah, don't, don't ever let that little um, crybaby, crybaby in my office ever again. Yeah, that's what he said. That's what he said. <laughs> I was like, okay. That, and that the- was one of those moments where he said that, and I went, that is too normal a phrase to have been written by a by a human being that had to have actually been said by Harry yeah. Truman at the time. And that that whole interaction between those two characters where uh Oppenheimer is just feeling so guilty about what he's done. And then right. Truman and I, just I, pops I up and that. it's like it's like, yeah, I'm the I'm the one who, you know, called it. Be like, so I'm the one should be blaming the whole bit. And it's like, right. it's like and it's just Oppenheimer's right. just like, uh, but I, I'm the one he created. Yeah. Yeah, so like, I, it's, I, just, I it's love... interesting perspective. Yes, it is. That scene is between uh, the two outlooks. Is mm-hmm. Oppenheimer realizes he's just caused death on a cataclysmic scale, mm-hmm. and there it could be said that the blood of anyone who's ever died by mm-hmm. the atomic bomb mm-hmm. is on his hands. Yeah, 
but he's not the one who pulled the trigger. Yeah. It's, it's like Truman says, it's really more him because it couldn't have been set off had yeah. Truman not mm -hmm. given the order. Yeah. You could also claim, uh, uh, I can't, uh, was it the Enola Gay? Yeah. The Enola Gay. Airplane? Yeah. The bombardier who hit the button that dropped it technically is the only one who could, you could say pulled the trigger metaphorically. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you can really blame the deaths on, any of them, or they shouldn't all be just loaded down in one person. Like you killed this many people. Yeah. It was something that had to be done because Japan was not backing down. Yeah. True. And it could have caused the death of not just more Americans. It could have caused the deaths of far more Japanese people. We that were is trying true. to stop things before it went nuts. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. That's, and just, that's just the, my outlook on it. Agreed. Yeah, just the the level of grief that you have Oppenheimer and, you know, and, and performance and is done very well. Yeah. And everyone, including Oppenheimer, understands that. Yeah. But there's still the death of a lot of people just died, and it's the direct result of my work. Yeah. Of course you're going to feel guilty. Of course. <laughs> if of course. you're aware of it, you should feel guilty. Mm -hmm. There we go. So, yeah, that's my little bonus that Gary Ullman played Truman. It yeah. was like, ah! <laughs> That was awesome. I nerded so, it out. I, I wish my girlfriend would have seen it. He's just like, who? It's like, Gary I need to let me. Gary Oldman, like one of the best actors ever. Uh, anyway. Yeah. We got dislikes now. Yeah. To talk on. I know you kind of gave another like, so I'm going to jump in on dislike. I'm not trying to take your thunder. Okay. And I suspect. If this isn't your first dislike, it's going to be one of yours, but mm. I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah. And that's the full frontal nudity in this scene, <laughs> in the in this movie. Okay. There's two scenes of it's three. There's I three. only caught two. There's three. We may be counting differently because I okay. know I was watching the whole film. Yeah. So I, I'm going to say we just probably were. It depends on how differently we there, counted. There's, you know, those two scenes you're thinking about, and there's the the scenes where they're sitting in the chair facing each other. I counted that as one of the okay. as one of the others. Um, Which one are you not picking or, or selecting? In my mind, the two are uh, the scene there in the in the room where they're mm. getting it on, right? And the scene where they're sitting in chairs. Those are the two scenes. Oh, okay, because it's really the two spots where I was like, "And that's a nice fabric they've got on the side of this theater." <laughs> Covering the speakers while I'm waiting for the scene to end. I'm waiting for the scene to end because I got it. I don't need to see it. Right, right, right. And right. that's my thought. Under that's understand. my process. I understand the idea because I looked up. I looked at the what the I like to think of it as the excuse. <laughs> the reason uh, he decided to do it that way is because he wanted the uh, the affair basically mm -hmm. to be raw and real yeah and i don't think it needed to be that raw and real based on what it what those scenes do in the purpose of the mm -hmm. story you could have i don't know done it with the covers over them where it's like innuendo it's like you know they're doing it but it's not in your face mm. um or you could have done it where it's like you know you already have the, the, the innuendo in there about wiggle room. Uh, mm -hmm. You could have just kind of cut back to somewhere else in the interviews and, you know, we had a good night or something. Right. 
something like that. And plus, I really don't like the fact that they introduced the Hindu line there about I have become death destroyer of worlds. There, it should have been held to the scene we know it was said during. Yeah. Which is as he sees the bomb drop. Yeah. And sees the the uh the mushroom cloud. Yeah. That's when we should have heard that line. We, we should never have heard it before that point. I get they were trying to show how well educated he was, and that's a famous line that Oppenheimer is known to have said. Just don't think it was that is I don't think during the middle of a sex scene is the right point to do it. Plus, if I remember correctly from the news, this kind of made some of the actual Hindu people mad because yeah. it was disrespectful to their religion. Right. So maybe not your wisest choice there, Christopher. <laughs> Just throwing this out there. The well, choice to have. Yeah. Grant, I'm not a big fan of sex scenes in general. Okay. The nudity, I'm not a fan of at right. all because I don't think it's necessary in a piece of art. I think you can find more creative ways to show it mm. than just, or to to ex- tell you that that's what's going on without right. actually showing it. Yeah. I understand that's not true for everyone. This is just me. Call me right. a prude. I don't care. Okay. You could have shown this in a better way, a more classy way, instead of just going completely vulgar with it. Fair. That's really what I'm going with. So yeah, the full frontal nudity is my first dislike. And no, that does not mean I'm gay. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> I'm just saying, because I, I got to realize I'm saying, it's like, oh, you don't like full frontal nudity? What kind of straight man doesn't like full frontal nudity? <laughs> like, I have principles. I am a Christian. There are things I've been called not to do. <laughs> right. And one of those is objectify women. True. And I'm sorry, that scene objectified women. Agreed. Especially that particular From- woman. Yes, I, I would agree with that perspective. Uh, I, 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 I agree with your point. I agree Even with though point. it wasn't really sexy, but just saying. No, no it's not supposed to be sexy. Uh, so be, I think from my artist's perspective, be like when they use scenes like that because they're, they're trying to provoke and bring out something that is, it is raw, it is dirty, it is mm-hmm. something that is like to be unseen and yeah. they're showing it. It's meant to be brutally honest. It's supposed to be brutally honest. And I I enjoy that from an artistic standpoint. And I understand that. When they do stuff like that. Right. I understand it from an artistic perspective. But as a artist who understands that, you know, not everyone's perspective is the same. Agreed. Agreed. (laughs) And there's some people who's like, my my thought has been, it's like, if if a version of this was released on like cable television Mm -hmm. with the kind of edits they would need to do to have it be shown on even on a regular cable television. I don't know about HBO because right. I've never looked that closely into it because I just didn't watch HBO growing up. Uh, that'd be the suge- version of this I would suggest to most people just because it probably would edit around that scene in a more classy way. Okay, fair enough. That's my theory. Fair enough. Uh, I'd be like, I, I, I was, I'd be like, for be like, I've always respect artists, their decisions of what they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, I, I'm not a fan of, uh, oh, we're going to edit you because we don't like what you did. But uh, they're going to, I know that's not what you're saying. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying no. there could have been ways he could have done it better from of an course. artistic point of view of that course. would be easier for people with my conscience. Yeah, agreed. I mean, like, I'm I'm in the same boat in some ways, but then there again, there's the artist in me that's, uh, oh, I get it. You know, be expressive. I get it. it. That's the thing about being a Christian artist. We see, like, yeah. We want things to be where we don't feel mm-hmm. like our conscience is being yeah. messed with. 
Like, granted, I was originally going to see this movie with my parents. Yeah, and then I gave them the heads up, like, yeah, right. the Marvel and I are good. And yeah. I had, and I had this, and I had to make the call, call, call them and say, hey, by the way, we, you need to be aware of this. A movie that you're thinking is going to be about the atomic bomb is actually going to include sex scenes. Yeah, and full frontal nudity. You need to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Which, when you think it's going to be about the atomic bomb and not just you know a biopic about this one man, yeah. You know, if, if you have that issue. Yeah. Uh, and I understand why they were trying to show it because of the affair and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think there's like a better way you could have done that that would have told you the same thing. Yeah. Without being so explicit. I agree. And also kind of kind of going with the whole. That's just my theory. Yeah. So if I was of, giving a critique. Yes. And I, I, I agree with your critique. I do. Uh, I'd also go to like where scripture says to be like if. Uh, if you do something that causes another one to sin, be like, you've sinned yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I can see where it'd be like, if you, but like you say, if you did something that has something that causes another brother or sister to sin, yeah. sin be like, you've caused them to sin and be like, that would be more way on my conscience because be like, I think about the stuff, you know, you know, sometimes the stuff I draw and it's just like, be like, how is that affecting people? Yeah. And, and it really makes you think. And it's, it's that, it's that, gap between the artistic mind and the uh, the the uh, the holy spirit's conviction so that's one of the things kind of uh, like it's that conviction that is the word i was looking for yeah, earlier it's, it's it's more conviction than anything because they're gonna be like i i'm i'm a fan of be like hey if yeah. artist wants to do this because uh, what was it uh when i was well, in- an artist can do whatever they want doesn't mean exactly. i have to watch exactly exactly because uh, i think i did a uh like a political test one time i was in college or in high school and uh, they were like, uh, what do you think of this? And it was this, it was a jar of urine with a cross, with a, um, with a, um, what is with a Catholic crucifix. crucifix with a crucifix submerged in it and, you know, sealed up in the whole bit and asked, what do you think about that? And I was like, you know what? Be like, I'd be like, I may disagree with it, but it's the artist's decision. That's what they do. And uh, I'm kind of in the middle of it. So and the same way, be like if it's going to cause a brother or sister to sin because of something I did, maybe intentionally or unintentionally. So, yeah, I would I would ask, what was the actual artist's intent when they were making this? Um, what are they trying to say? That's the, I'm yeah. saying this is what my I'm yeah, not that's, saying this yeah, is what exactly. you did, yeah, or, or what I would do in the situation because I when you're in the middle of what you're referring to, mm-hmm. you're not going to kind of get this actual answer, yeah. but. When you know, even when we're doing a review for the yeah, show, exactly. My intent, my first thought is, what's the artist's intent? Exactly. What are they trying to do? Exactly. First, second, how well are they communicating it? Exactly. So when you're saying, you're giving the example of that thing, it's like, how do you feel about this? So I was like, well, what's he trying to say? Yeah, exactly. It's, is is this supposed to say one thing, or is it supposed to be yeah. like just completely sacrilegious? Like I hate, I, like purely atheistic. It's like, well, then I can decide. I just don't like. This. I don't agree with this guy. And we yeah. can move on. Yeah. If it's something else, it's like, well, I think you misinterpreted what any of these things possibly mean. Yeah, possibly. But anyway, but uh, so yeah, just like uh, I'm actually trying to think of the dislikes in this film. Uh, it had be like it's you know it's see I had a couple. <laughs> it, it, it'd be like it has some like I don't know pacing issues. I don't really don't see pacing issues because uh, it is telling a very yeah visual storytelling and a very uh, like you know story traditional storytelling through visual mediums and audio mediums and uh i really because okay here's one here's one uh the one where he says be like now i become death uh Mm -hmm. historically oppenheimer 
thought it be like yeah. he, he had it the thought came to his mind when the bomb went off but he never said it he he, he would say it many years later but right. he never said it out loud during the drop so it was, it was something it was something that was like in the back of his head right that kind of popped up because he's read that because he's very uh literate person. very literate yeah very literate so I would I would say the the use of definitely when he says it during the film when when he says it at because he, he does still say that again during the actual bomb drop yeah I am fine with it there even though it's not exactly what happened yeah it's not exactly it's not exactly how that went yeah. but I'm fine with it there because you need it said at that point yeah agreed agreed because because that 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 phrase is so tied into Oppenheimer himself yes. and the events it's like it needs to be said ideally if it were me and i was shooting the scene i would have i would have the camera i'd have him facing the window looking at or not the window but looking out at the bomb mm -hmm. and the camera would be behind him so you can't see if he's actually saying it or thinking it mm -hmm. and then have the line set and i also would not have done it earlier even though i understand the repeat issue mm -hmm. of because that's an artistic decision to have uh, your your Two, you could say two different explosions <laughs> with the same phrase. I get the, right. I get the mirroring right. effect. Yes, yes, okay. I get that. Gotcha. But yeah, it's just like the, the use of be like, now I become death. death. Destroyer of worlds. Destroyer of worlds. Be like, I, I, I enjoy that line. That's like, but like you use it there and be like, it's like, I know he it, uses it somewhere else, but it's, it's during the sex scene. Yeah, during the, you know, during the intercourse scene. And it's just like, okay, but he didn't say it there. He didn't think that he thought it during the the dropping of the bomb well technically we shouldn't know what actually happened during yeah, the bedroom tr scene true but they're, they're so, just in, implanting this idea in the story right. but it's like yeah just like you know now i've become it, it's, just, it's some creative license i'm agreed, sure he agreed. had good reasons for oh, doing agreed, it agreed agreed in his mind i disagree with them but also be like the thing be like now i've become destroyer of worlds the fact to be like he's he's doing this you know this mm -hmm. act to be like to someone else and not to his he, he's not having that relationship with his wife that like yeah. he's, he's destroying that relationship with his wife except this is before he meets his wife that's right that's right because i'm thinking of somewhere else yeah this but, is um, actually before he meets kitty that's right this is and before. she would still yes. be married to um the other guy yeah that's right that's right that's right i'm i'm there's getting i'm getting story there's a lot of what i think of as melrose place yes. going on oh agreed so, agreed a, a lot of it's probably sure a true little, because yeah you know, california yeah and plus i know like california but i mean that's just how people are sometimes yeah and plus i'll be like oppenheimer was also known for you know having multiple affairs yeah. on his on his poor wife um surprised she puts up with it as much as oh, she does. They, they they got divorced like pretty shortly after the hearing or correction before that because he does mention be like my my uh my my um my beloved former wife mm -hmm. in one scene and it's just but like it's, strangely enough yeah in those other scenes she does still seem to care for him yeah even though they're separated yeah so yes yeah. if i remember correctly be like they do spend the rest of their days be like they, they are still really close and they're really good friends but they got a divorce you know because of the affair yeah my second like dislike mm -hmm. dislike is not really a dislike on this film mm -hmm. it is a trend i'm seeing in nolan's films and while it's here i will admit here it's probably done better than 
some of his others. And mm. that is telling the story out of order. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'm sure. here. It's done fairly well. Uh, I, you can tell he, this is like his third or fourth time to do it this way. Mm-hmm. Cause he did this in Dunkirk, which it was not done bad there, but there was some confusion especially yeah. since most scenes looked the same. So you had to remember, Oh yeah. This, yeah, yeah. Cat, this mm-hmm. group is at this time. This group is at this time and this, and the plane is at this time and, and how it's all separated. And, but most of the scenes, because it's all happening on the same day. Yeah. Uh, it, it's very visually distracting the way that's done. Yeah. Um, in tenant, it's part of the story. So it makes mm-hmm. sense. It does. But at the same time, there's some moments where I remember thinking, uh, this is a little more, conf- this maybe is not being told exactly the best possible way. Mm-hmm. Here, it makes sense why he's telling the story out of order. And especially since there's a huge, but but with the fact that there is a huge gap between the uh, Strauss scenes when the bomb starts getting built during the, the, the farther past scenes mm-hmm. uh, that helps that a little bit, but there's still moments where it was like, okay, what's going on with Strauss? Mm-hmm. What's going on with this? Especially the scene they're doing in the ballroom where they're talking about, Oh yeah. Uh, the, the hydrogen bomb. They keep having to move the flower pot out of the mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Like, or l- talk around the flower pot. Uh, that was confusing because I was like, when is that taking place? Is that, uh, it's obviously after he's on the commit, the, the AEC commission, but is it before I was confused for a, a bit during this film when the, each of the hearings were taking place because visually Oppenheimer's hearings for his security clearance, since they were told from his point of view were in mm-hmm. color, which made me think it might have been back during, like, the actual building of, yeah. you know, the atomic bomb, and then the like the the scene I was talking about with the flower pot, yeah, uh, that felt like it could have been, like, much much later, and it's like I granted if I if I had looked done done my job not my job but if I had done my research and actually looked at the events as they are actually shown in real life yeah you know actually done research before the movie which I didn't want to do because I want because you know when I go to a movie I kind of want to just be you know taken for a ride yeah agreed to on the story and I really did not do my research on this ahead of time. And the last time I looked up into anything World War II related out of just random information that came my way, I was in high school. So it's been a bit uh, outside of, you know, just little things here and there. Yeah. So I, I was confused in different parts here because of the out of order storytelling. That yeah. being said, that was mostly in the beginning before, because by as we were getting, once we got past the actual dropping of the atomic bomb, yeah. and we were getting into the aftermath that stuff started falling into place more and I understood when stuff was taking place. Yeah. But for the first bit of this movie, I was confused. I can imagine other people might've also been confused. Agreed. Agreed. So I wish as much as he did a good job here with, he did it well here with the, with the uh, out of order storytelling. I just 
wish it was. I, I kind of wish going forward, he'd back off of doing things that way. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And, and because there again, I I've, I've seen all three of those films. Yeah. And they're done excellently. Just the, the yeah. out of, out of sequence, I, I out of sequence where is a very, I agree. It's nauseating very, it's in very a lot of ways. Jarring. Mm-hmm. It's the only three movies I can think of in the past 10 years that have really dove into that hard mm-hmm. outside of just having flashbacks every once in a while. Yeah. And it's, especially they're the three most prominent in my mind and it's can cause confusion. Granted, you sh- it does make me want to focus more in on the story to figure out what's going on. It's making me more engaged. Yeah. So maybe that's the point. I'm, I'm not against that. Cause I'm not even against how he used them in those three movies. It's just, I think he's gone. He, I, I kind of don't want him to keep following that trend. Okay. I enough. want him to go. If he's whatever his next movie is, I kind of want it to be more front to back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tell a linear story rather right. than because the last a, the last linear the story, story. And the thing is, I, I say Dunkirk was the first one. You could make a claim that Interstellar did it too. Because while we primarily are seeing it from uh, the point of view of the people on the expedition, mm-hmm. there is the simple fact that you have times where it's like, oh, while he's here, the people elsewhere, because of the way what happens when you travel near the speed of light, mm-hmm. time is passing differently for different groups of people. And that right. is a little thing. It makes sense there, too. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Right. But it, he's done this basically four times. And it's like, I am ready for you to do something where time is not malleable. Fair. It's not Fair. presented malleably. <laughs> okay. I got you. Uh, yeah. What did that be? The th- That was my second. Second. So this would be my second. Third. This is my third. No, no. It is your second. Because you it had our time coming up yeah, with dislikes. That's right. Sorry. Like you went first. Now went it's first. my second. Yeah. So it's, yeah, okay. your second. My second would also be the, uh, the, the uh, time dilation of where things. Am I using that right? Time dilation? Okay, I, I, that's a good use of the word. Yeah, time dilation where be like things are taken out of order. I think to, the official term when you're writing this is like nonlinear. Okay, yeah, that's that's better which word. Which is what I should have said earlier, but yeah, it, it's, it left it's, my mind. Yeah, it's more nonlinear because you're telling the story out of order, and like like Drew said, be like you have his other movies where he has experimented with this, and sometimes it's done very well. Others, it's not. I think here in Dunkirk, done as well or as well. I think he does a good job with them. It's just yeah, I agree. I'm ready to move to more linear storytelling, yeah. please, Mister Nolan. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, I, I I enjoy where the the visual storytelling where they're do- going, but then you're you're having to keep up for you know here, then here, then mm-hmm. here, then here, and sometimes like for a person who has severe ADD, AD, ADHD like myself, and it's just more like, okay, where are we? Because with Dunkirk, it threw me for a loop like half yeah. the film. I'm like, where in the world are we? Granted, I don't want it throwing up words at the bottom of the screen all the time. Yeah. A year would have been nice in this movie sometimes. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is taking place in 1935 or whatever. Yeah. And instead of you have to wait for someone to mention it. Nicely drop phrases to give you hints like, oh, yeah, Germany is go- is getting uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, elected Hitler as their, mm-hmm. as their whatever. As their Führer. As the Führer. It's like, oh. So we're in our, our chancellor. Our chancellor. chancellor. It's like okay, so we're we World War II hasn't started yet, especially since like you don't even get to hear the news that Hitler is dead. Mm. It's just like 
before they're actually talking about well uh, we don't really need the bomb for germany anymore should we really keep it going it's like yeah that's just that's like well like often numbers that's not how weapons manufacture works guys yeah well uh, okay okay here here's one here's one but it, it would be nice for more signposts i guess okay so i i think i'll go with this one i'll go with the my third in a minute but uh yeah this is the uh you know the non-linear storytelling gets a little irritating mm -hmm. in the film be like once you realize what's going on you can track it great yeah sorry. yeah so, so, sorry, like ahead. once once you keep can get track of what the the non-linear storytelling he's doing be like it's brilliant but if you're if you're not paying yeah. close attention it gets really confusing and i think where you can lose interest in the film because he's just bouncing from here 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 yeah and uh yeah I, I totally get it i totally get it so yeah the non-linear storytelling gets a little baffling it gets a little overwhelming sometimes mm -hmm. okay so yeah my third dislike for this film just left my head mm. uh so this movie takes place over the course of the 20s 30s 40s, 40s 50s 60s, 60s and one scene in the 70s mm -hmm. and granted a lot of stuff doesn't need to change architecturally in these mm -hmm. scenes based right. because of what this is doing but fashion changes a lot more than they kind of showed it Granted, we're dealing mostly with officials. That kind of clothes. Officials and academics. Change. Right, officials and academics. That stuff doesn't change, but there was never... It, it really felt like, despite the fact I know it took place over the course of... what well, the story took place over the course of 50 years. Yeah. Uh, Did it feel like... This the... felt like it could have been within 10. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> In some ways. Fair. Um, and that's... And, and it's just... And that's part of the time dilation effect, because yeah. there's times where you're looking and going... Okay, what is going on? Uh, Grant, there is at least some aging that occurs on um, Oppenheimer himself. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember the character, the actor's name. Mm -hmm. um, Cillian Murphy. There is yeah. some aging they mm -hmm. show on him. Yeah, and on in Kitty in those last things, she does appear to have to be aged mm -hmm. a little bit yeah but nearly everyone else looks the same age throughout the whole thing uh well um i take that back the, uh robert downey jr has does look like two different ages between mm -hmm. when he's introducing oppenheimer to the commission and during the final uh scenes and then you get during uh, during, during his uh, uh senate hearings and then you get matt damon's character and the and matt the damon's character does yeah. age a little bit too when he, when he shows up later yeah but so many of the everybody else yeah looks the same age they are they have looked throughout the whole film yeah uh i, I don't know why that is but they all look to be about 35 to 40 yeah no matter if it's 1920 or 1970. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know why. Okay. I, I, granted, age is not important, but it doesn't, if, like I said, it's the fact that we don't see much of the aging in the actors except for like the major players. True. The fact that uh, the cars don't change, but few cars we do see. Yeah. 
by the sixties, we should have wildly different looking cars on the road. Yeah, I agree. Granted, we don't really have a chance to see cars on the road. No, we don't. But I mean, it's like I, I keep thinking, it's like, what would have been my, what would have been a visual, easy visual clue for me to know? Yeah. What year is this? Yeah. What decade is this? What makes it feel like we've had time pass? Yeah. Aging of the characters, we we get very little of it. Uh fashion well we're mostly seeing people in uniforms and, mm -hmm. and suits there's not granted if i knew more about suits and how they've changed over the years maybe that would help i don't know because to me a lot of these suits look the same um of course the uniforms don't change that often yeah uh military uniforms uh cars would have been a change uh but we don't see that many cars in the film outside of actual military vehicles which would not have changed that often You're it feels like you're expected to know the history of uh, you're supposed to know when all this stuff takes place before you enter the theater, mm -hmm. and that kind of goes against everything I think of with a movie because the movie should be able to communicate everything to you where it's. Or what's what you need to know is crystal clear, and what you don't need to know is only alluded to. Yeah. And I'm sorry, time, how much time has passed, is something I need communicated clearly. And just, and let's face it, there is a rule in visual storytelling that he know that that I know Christopher Nolan knows. Mm -hmm. Show, don't tell. Every reference to time mm -hmm. in this is told to us agreed it is never shown yeah to agreed. Us. agreed the only reason you know that when some of the stuff takes place is if you actually have studied the history enough that you're not going in this expecting to learn everything yeah. you're going into it expecting to nitpick it to death that's true <laughs> and and point out oh this is not what happened in my version in, in, in what i studied you know that sort of thing mm -hmm. this is not meant to be presented it does. It does not feel like it's meant to be presented to you naturally. Yeah, I, I don't know. And, and with the time dilation effects, it doesn't help any. It's just we Barely. don't have a good way of knowing how much time has passed outside of we see two different presidents. Yeah, and one of those is the president at the midpoint of the story, and the other one is at the end of the story. We didn't get the ones beforehand. We never saw Roosevelt. Yeah, we get talk to roosevelt gets talked about but we never yeah. saw him yeah um and definitely didn't see eisenhower true even when he was a general in the army which would yeah. not have made sense the way they were telling the story yeah, because he would have been the right because the campaign in europe right because we don't because even though world war ii happens it happens off screen yeah granted i don't need it to happen off screen mm -hmm. on screen i don't need to see that i don't even we didn't you know we don't even get to see the actual bomb on mm -hmm. Hiroshima or Nagasaki. The only atomic right. bomb we get is Trinity. Yeah. Despite the fact, I, if I remember correctly, there was one or two more tests that Oppenheimer did before he quit testing atomic bombs. Right. To my understanding. Because they were testing different things. Because he you know, didn't shut down automatically. He was still in charge of the project for a while. Uh, even though he was doing all this other stuff. Because there were still things that went off in the New Mexico desert. And and the Nevada desert before it became uh, <coughs> illegal internationally to test atomic weaponry above the ground. <laughs> so there. 
uh it, it's just like there's so little ways of telling when something is happening it really yeah. feels like this could have happened within within a decade Fair. instead of over the course of half a century so yeah that's my third dislike and okay. i admit to some degree these are nitpicks fair except for the first one <laughs> that's literally a problem i have not just with this movie but with a lot of thought in modern cinema gotcha what's your third dislike my third dislike okay there is a line in which matt damon's character um general gloves gloves Gro uh groves I think. yeah Groves. general groves says like oh yeah hitler off himself i'm like okay so as a history nerd at world war ii okay so depending on what you're about to say i may have a uh rebuttal okay sure enough all right so uh if we are talking the point where uh germany surrenders at the end of the european campaign mm -hmm. so the americans at this point do not know that adolf hitler has died the only the only information they are given is that adolf hitler has died fighting in the front line with his men that's the only that's the only point of reference we know from an historical standpoint now we know historically what happened yes but from a quantum, point in time at that point in time there would be no way of knowing and plus the russians went in and falsified that hitler had not died and told truman and told told roosevelt before his death that hitler had not died they could they didn't find they didn't find him now later the americans came in to the occupied area and found remains but uh, it was it was a well known it was well known that the Soviets uh, hid that information from America and the rest of the world because they wanted to keep this big secret because it would be Russia who did everything, and uh, so when when Damon's characters be like, oh yeah, he offed him up. We didn't know that. We we honestly be like from an historical standpoint, be like we did not mm -hmm. know that. All we knew was is that Germany surrendered, and what we were told was either hitler had be like they didn't find him or b he was they were told that he died in the front lines in which everybody knew he didn't yeah they, they knew he was in his bunker that was it so just to be like oh he offed himself we didn't know that for i think it's like six, like a couple of weeks you know after after the surrender so when he says be like oh hitler offed himself it's like eh, historically it's inaccurate but nuance that's a nitpick I do not have a rebuttal. My rebuttal was going to be because I was assuming you were saying um, we didn't know exactly what happened in the bunker when this happened, which is kind of what you said. Yeah. But I was like, well, he's just kind of guessing or maybe he didn't get there's no way the information would have got back to Groves that fast. What actually happened? Yeah. to Hitler. I was going to say, well, it's just literary license, but the way you put that's like, yeah, we would not be able to even make that. That's a stretch too far to say. Yeah, agreed. Literary, uh, agreed. Because it, it would be a creative license on that. That's just agreed. It's, it's more that, of a that, That's one of the other little minor issues this film has is like, oh, major details that affect like the history outside of this story. We're going to kind of just Great. touch them and yeah. go away. Yeah, touch them and go away. We're just going to fast forward past that because while that information is important to the story, mm -hmm. exactly how much they know is not. Yeah, agreed. And that is a little annoying. Yes, agreed. So yeah, when 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 I remember 
Grove saying that. I was like, wait a minute. He wouldn't know that information yet. Mm -hmm. Unless he had intel that would come directly from the front line, in which America wasn't at in Brit in uh in Berlin at the time. It was the Soviets. Yeah. And the Soviets weren't telling the US the truth. So from a historical standpoint, Grossman had that information. All they know is like, oh, Hitler died. Now, if he would have said like, oh, I just heard Hitler died. It's like, no, he ought to be like the the well, the even, plank offed himself. Even if he said he probably offed himself. Yeah. I would accept that. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, you're, you're guessing. Yeah. You don't know. You're just assuming, oh, yeah, exactly. he was hiding in a bunker. He probably, that guy must have been more of a coward than we realized. Yeah, which was, the, he, which was the narrative going out anyway. Right. So, I mean, yeah, he, he probably offed himself. Probably. If but he just said it like that, but it's like, no, he offed himself. It's like, yeah, I agree with you. There's no way he. There's no way in earth he would know that information. So but yeah, historical nitpick. That's about it. So we need to rate this movie. Yeah, what are you working at? And uh, we have forgotten this. I think twice already. What would that be? And I just remembered this. Um, for plus movies, we don't rate on the numerical That's scale. That's right. We rate on a star. That's scale. right. It's and stars. We forgot this. At least on Doctor Strange, we we we, we did. I don't remember if we did it for Glass Onion. I think we, we we did it on Glass Onion, but for we forgot it on Doctor Strange, mm. and by the time we remembered it. It was, it was already too late. late. Yeah. So, so we do stars on plus. Stars on plus. Yeah. We're weird this way. Yeah. Uh, how many stars are you giving this? Uh, I'm gonna give it a five. I'm gonna give it a five. Be like, yeah, it's it's got little hiccups here and there, but you can almost forgive it for that because that's where the the artistic drive is going for this film. Mm -hmm. And Nolan is a artist, a a visual storyteller, and a visual a uh, artistic director. And that's what I love about his his artistic style, his direction with movies. Cause he be like, even with the dark Knight trilogy, you can tell it's like, this is storytelling at yeah. its best. Be like, no matter what film you're talking about, it's done very well. Um, and be like, yeah, you, you can nitpick films to death, but I think Oppenheimer as a film is, I'm not gonna say it's perfect, but like it's a five-star film. Go watch it. Now, granted, if you are more sensitive to nudity mm -hmm. and sexual situations, be like, you might want to just get the heads up. Be like, there's going to be that in this film. But um, overall, I enjoy this film, so I'm giving it five stars. I'm giving it four and a half stars. Okay. And the reason for the knockdown, you could probably guess, is the nudity. <laughs> I get that it's a creative decision, mm -hmm. and it was a decision he made, and it's probably was a good creative decision mm. if you are not concerned about the things I'm concerned with. Agreed. Because it's not the creative decision I would have made I agree. if I was making this film. I, I understand. So, uh, and, and, and my issue is, like I said before, I think it could have, you could have talked about these events mm -hmm. classier than it was done. Okay. The, the nudity was unnecessary and it might have even been better. Okay. had you not made that choice that's that's my opinion mm -hmm. it's what i would have preferred and because to some degree ratings are uh 
subjective not mm-hmm. objective right uh, i have to knock it a half a half a star down to four and a half because it's like if you had not had that that is literally the only thing stopping me from suggesting this film to other people because okay. i can't fair because fair. of that thing i don't care if these people if, if the person is fine with the nudity i can't because i'm afraid of what it uh says about me suggesting a, 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 a film with that kind of scene mm-hmm. in it that's just it's just my thoughts on it. Yeah. I will say the rest of the film, spot on. Uh, if a cut of this film came out, like maybe a made-for-TV cut or cable TV cut or right. something like that, especially if uh, Nolan actually worked on it and made a version that he was fine with, even though he didn't, maybe he's not 100% on board with that kind of decision, uh, I, would pref- I would suggest that cut... Okay. maybe over this one just because i dislike the nudity that much and think it could have been done but it's actually an artistic just the artistic decision of doing it yeah. is what i'm critiquing okay fair enough because i think you could have done it better and made it more accessible to more people granted this is not 1990s where that kind of thing is considered lewd unfortunately anymore right. i consider it lewd <laughs> So I that get that is, this is a different time period that, and different ways of looking at things. Yeah, but totally understand it. Yeah, I, it's for that reason I'm giving it four and a half stars. Ah, gotcha. So next week, mm-hmm. we're back on the actual schedule. Yeah, and we're doing a Disney film this time. Boy, that's a jump. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a jump. From- we, we, we go from anime to live anime action with nudity, to a live action movie with nudity, nudity, to Disney with a frog and a princess and a princess, princess and the frog. frog. A film I have not watched. I've watched it and had a very interesting conversation with Celeste over at Geek Devotions yes. about that, and I was like, "Oh, okay, cool. I'll definitely rewatch it and pay a little more close attention this time." Well, admittedly, you had told me of the uh, the issue. That yeah. you had with it yeah and it was one of those things that when i thought well i just need to review we need to review the film and then i can rebut that mm-hmm. when you give that as one of your dislikes if it needs to be rebutted or i can agree with you i didn't know we were going to get on a show with celeste and she was going to tell you to your face what it was actually <laughs> right <laughs> great I which i it. i, 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 I appreciated moment, it I, I believe that was back on the adams family episode it was or was it uh house moving castle I think it was Adam's family because it was just her and us. I think it was. I think it was. Uh, John was, was not there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Join us next week for our look at a swampy princess film. A swampy princess film. Yes. A lot of popping around. Indeed. Join us next week for that. In the meantime, we are going to jump into talking about our what we've been watching, the news, and a little bit of X-Men right after this. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out Geek Devotions. Geek Devotions is a collaboration of devoted geeks that are devoted to letting people know that they are loved. They are not just a podcast. They are an entire network of shows, podcasts, and YouTube videos that are designed to encourage and challenge people in the geek community. 
bridging the gap between their faith and their geekdoms. They produce a weekly geek culture-infused devotional. There is their podcast, Com Talk. There's another podcast where they read books, allegedly. There's also another podcast where uh, they look through the Gundam Watch. And uh, if you're into, if you like movies, just like we do, you can check out them reviewing bad movies over at the bottom shelf. So uh, you can find all their content and more uh, at uh, geekdevotions.com. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons, Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com, and Melanie Dubois. To get your name on the show plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. So Jacob, I have a question for you. What have you been watching? What have I been watching? Um, well, between, uh, let's see, two weeks, two weeks, <laughs> two weeks of stuff. Because you watched uh, Oppenheimer two week, weeks two weeks ago. <laughs> two weeks ago, and uh, I'm trying to remember if I've watched really anything. Um, I started watching Unsolved Mysteries on on YouTube, actually, the original series. Because I remember as a kid, like, going to bed, because they're going to go to bed at hearing 7. Robert Stack's voice tell Eggs you about or, the terrible, horrible thing, scary things of uh, that are uh, of the mysteries that have been unsolved over the course of many years. Right. But I'm referring to more of the theme song. Just dun, 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 dun. Yeah, exactly. Scary. The ever-living Jeebus out of ya. Oh, my gosh. Because uh, I I told a coworker about that, and I was like, it's like, yeah, I watched Unsolved Mysteries, and I was like, what is that? Because now, granted, she was born she was born in two thousand four, so that was a, two years after I graduated high school. So I'm telling her about it. It's like the theme just scare you the crap out of you when you're a kid, and, and so mostly it was not even really scary stuff. But as no, a it kid, wasn't. It's like he's you you hear the serious man, yeah, talking about serious things. Yeah, Robert Stack's Robert voice Stack, scared the crap and, out of you, and. You th- he's like on June eleventh, nineteen forty-two. Yeah, this such and such thing happened to this one woman in the middle of West oh. Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the middle of Nebraska. So be somewhere like, near Roswell, New Mexico, yeah. in the nineteen fifties. Yeah, guy saw th- thinks he saw an alien. <laughs> so I'd be like, I, I I told this coworker coworker of mine, uh, Selexi, about it because it's I, I think more we have this kind of a weird interesting big brother little sister kind of dynamic in a mm-hmm. way in some ways because she's always picking on me the entire time it's funny so uh i tell her about it and so apparently her and her sister younger older whatever are watching something on tubi and they find unsolved mysteries and she's like and her old sister's like this sounds cool and selexi remembering that conversation we was like Mm-mm, no way in earth it's scary no way in no, earth it's not that scary <laughs> it's not really scary all right nowadays it ain't that scary but when you're no. a kid when you're a kid, and you hear and, Robert Stack and, and you hear that theme song. Yeah, exactly. We scare the mess out of you as a kid. Well, especially because it, it doesn't start with the. <laughs> it starts with that uh, knockoff THX. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I'll be like, I've, I've watched maybe like one episode of that because I didn't remember how long it was. Yeah, it's and an hour long show. It's an hour long show. And uh, I was like, oh, wow, this is on YouTube for free. This is awesome. 
and uh obviously watched a lot of youtube uh uh i no correction let me let me back up i actually listened to because we got a shout out on twitter or you know twitter x whatever it's called now twixter twixter uh i'm calling it twixter uh so we got a shout out from let me find them real fast um how do you pronounce this podcast? Enthusium. Uh, oh, the enthusiast. 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 David Gardner. I'm I'm gonna mispronounce <laughs> this name once again. The enthusiast. 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 It's a combination of the words enthusiasm and, and enthusiast <laughs> and. Theology. Theology. Enthusiast. I'm still saying it wrong. Yeah. In it's, it's, it's a very hard you know, to, it. Yeah. Enthusiast. Enthusiast. Enthusiast podcast. Uh, yeah, so let's... they. they... Mm. <laughs> I'm getting a list. Don't feel bad. <laughs> not your fault. Oh, I know. I know. I know. It is not your tongue I'm... getting tied that's the problem. It's I know. It's, it's a everyone. very hard word to say. Enthusiast podcast enthusiast enthusiast okay enthusiast i'm gonna butcher it either way it's clever and annoying at it's the same the, time either way this podcast be like they, they gave us a shout out on twitter x twixter twixter whatever um and so be like he be like he recognized me like hey we talk about x-men and this yeah. is the site we're going to go into later and uh well, he's been like, he's been talking to me off and on like through private message okay uh on facebook for like a while so i'm i'm, I'm still thinking like why are you just talking to me yeah, i've got other these social areas go talk there other people can communicate with you right like he said in fact there's been plenty of times where he said oh by the way tell jacob if he goes to such and such that there is a uh an epilepsy thing it's like he's not going to a concert anytime soon <laughs> especially this group you just mentioned right so i'm not gonna say anything <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I saw that because I remember Drew saying something about the enthusiast, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever. This it's a hard name to say. I, I would feel worse about this if it weren't for the fact that he has said in other chats, like I know it's a hard word. I you you, you guys are good. Yeah, but be like they gave us a shout there's, out. There's so, a reason we I think in the other chats he just calls himself Paladin, Paladin um, Pirate, <laughs> Paladin Pirate. Okay, so among other things. So I, I I found myself be like, oh, okay, so they're talking about X-Men. So I was like, okay, so I will listen to three of their episodes, and they're really short. They're less than six minutes, six, seven minutes long. And they're little devotions of, like, what mm -hmm. goes on. And uh, he actually skips this episode and this first episode where he doesn't talk about, you know, Wolverine praying, which was I thought was the coolest thing ever as an adult. Yeah. Uh, but... He talks about Nightcrawler, he talks about Beast, he talks about, and all these, are, they're really, really good episodes. Uh, enthusi and I'm going to butcher it. Enthusiast. Enthusiast. Enthusiast podcast. Close enough. <laughs> yeah, close enough. <laughs> Enthusiast podcast. Uh, you can go check them out. They're available on, like, most places where you can, uh, you know, find your podcast. They're really good. Go give them a listen. And uh, it's, you know, it's a little word of encouragement. Yeah. And I just, I find it really appealing as a very short form podcast. Mm -hmm. Unlike our show right now, we're running at almost two hours. Yeah, it's like the stream is like a, over two hours. It's, it's two, two and hours. nearly almost two and a half hours. Yeah, but nuance. Uh, so I listened to that and I'm trying to remember, I, I remember um, 
there is in more recent discoveries they've caught the Lusk killer, uh, the Long Island serial killer. They believe they caught him. And uh, me and my girlfriend have gone back and forth throwing information. Uh, it's like, listen to this now podcast, I, listen to the podcast. Now I really wish I had the Unsolved Mysteries theme on my soundboard. Because now anytime you get into the, the, the true crime part of what you've been watching, I want to play that. <laughs> I've got it saved on my phone. I'm sure you do. I, 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 I can bring it up on YouTube really okay. quick. Okay. But yes. I have to play it through the microphone and it would be jank. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah, we can play, plug that in at some point as a, as a, as a plug. I, or I will have to put that on the soundboard. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, I, we, we've been talking about this case and like, it's really interesting. It's, it's a sad case because you had at least four people, four, four victims. And there's been, I think, like ten people related to it, but there, there's no guarantee. I think there's five now, but um, yeah, it's it's great when you catch people like you know scumbags like this. And uh, they're going the information coming out right now. We don't know everything because everything's just coming at us once. But um, yeah, I was like, wow. And plus, I'm I, yeah, it's, I find true crime really interesting because it's understanding how people act and behave and why they do things. And it's just really fascinating to me. It's not like, like ooh, I'm planning my arsenal. It's like, no, I like that. Either way, I don't want to get on your bad side. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I get or that. Or your girlfriend's. No, 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 no. I, I definitely don't want to get on don't her. Don't want to get on Ash's bad side. Yeah, because she's like, it's like, yeah, I, I know how to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's like, oh, crap. So, uh, yeah. I I, I I I try to be a good boy and not do anything wrong. <laughs> You're welcome, Ashley. Tacos. What? <laughs> what does tacos have to do with it? That's just between me and her. <laughs> okay. And she's probably going to kill me when she hears this, but I, I'm just here thinking, yo, you're a good boy, huh? Are you a good boy? Are you a good boy? <laughs> Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? <laughs> and I, I knew I, was, I knew you were gonna do that. I knew it. <laughs> I'm sitting over here thinking, don't do it, Drew. Don't do it. Don't do it, Drew. And then you go tacos. I'm going, what? I'm sorry. You just spent that coin. <laughs> great, great. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. <sighs> so going back to what I watched and listened to. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man. This, this is why y'all listen, folks. I know yes, it is. Exactly. You're us making fun of each other. <laughs> <laughs> Someone clip that, please. But um yeah, I think it's most of what I've watched was I I'll watch a little on some mysteries, uh, listen to a few more podcasts. Uh, did a lot more drawing. I'm trying to do, uh, five reels in five days. And that, that's a lot more challenging than I thought. And, uh, just trying to get more art out there and mm -hmm. trying to, you know, get people to, it's like, Hey, look at my art. Hey, you want to buy something? Let me know. And, uh, just trying to get my, you know, my, my, uh, my visual store, not storytelling, but my visual artistic yes. out there. So yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. And plus, be like, if you're a listener or you're watching, be like, if you like my stuff, leave a comment and share. That's yeah. all I ask. And like, of course. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been watching and listening to. <laughs> what have you been watching and listening to? 
funny you should say it that way. <laughs> so I'm still watching through Strange New Worlds. Okay. You know. And, and I, this I, week's episode, I, I know what happened. Was the musical? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad episode. The, it's the concept is the my, my okay. <laughs> As a person who has been in musical theater, okay, and can is allowed to have opinions, even if that was just high school musical theater, uh. The I can tell you that the episode was not bad. It was not like I'm judging it on things that probably I should just let go. Mm-hmm. And the problem is I need to look up and see if this is if the music and this was actually written by the people who wrote Let It Go. Because it's there's a lot of those kind of power ballads. It's being sung, and most of the people who are soloists, you know, they were not hired or cast for their singing ability. Mm-hmm. And in some cases I'm watching this going, I don't know if you're singing, if, if this is you singing, if there's been auto tune to, to massage it into place, mm-hmm. because if there is auto tune, it's not noticeable. I'll put it that way. It's not a bad auto tune. And if auto tune is being used, it should be not noticeable if it's being right. done correctly. Um, the story was fine i have some issues with some things i'm debating how much to spoil here you're not going to probably watch it i'm probably guessing. maybe and if you're listening as a home i may spoil a little bit i just okay little story here okay there is a point in this episode where okay the gist is because of weird sciencey magic mm-hmm. and that's about the night best way i can put it because it's yeah. like they, they find this way is they find the subspace fold whatever mm-hmm. that means yeah because it's obviously made up words and they are trying to figure out if they can use this to like send transmissions faster across yeah. the, the uh uh you know back and forth mm-hmm. uh and they're trying to see if they can get it to react and so they send in they, they try they decide to try music and they send in um it's not the recording from indiana jones and the temple of doom but it's that opening song uh anything goes okay you know that one it's the actual english version of it the original okay. recording of it um it's that song and somehow that causes the subspace fold generate an improbability field that somehow anytime someone gets emotional it causes them to break into song okay it starts off being isolated to the enterprise but when they tried to fix it it made it worse and now it's affecting everyone in the quadrant including the klingons i saw that i died I saw a clip of that. I was like, what I am, in the world? I am watching this, and there's a point in there where they're in the, where they're getting ready to do the, like the final number, and what they're going to do is try to overload the fee, the the improbability field mm-hmm. by having everyone on the Enterprise do one big final number. Granted, from a story writing standpoint, I actually think this is brilliant. That's like a good way to close this thing, even though yeah. I have some issues with some of the logic and how we got there. Uh, for the most part, this is one of those episodes in the future I'm going to have to go, 
this is just meant to be a fun episode. I should let it go. Mm-hmm. But there's a part of me that's in the last couple since I watched it, I was like, what do I actually think of this as a person? Because I mean, it, it's just a, it is a weird episode. The Klingons at one point do show up in this, uh-huh. and you know, you haven't experienced NSYNC until you've heard it in the original Klingon. Oh my. <laughs> they boy band the Klingons, and I'm going, I saw that. This is not what I was expecting. <laughs> Granted, oh, I wow. get it. It's a funny joke. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. But I. But when they said, "Oh, it's affecting the Klingons," going, "Oh, please tell me they're breaking into Klingon opera instead of just uh, modern musical theater." Yeah, please tell me I, their Klingon ships are going. Koi kelesh pook lord, koi pookstesh poo, lakto makto seshuwi, shela suwe hu, machu malo me tak shok fu, me tese less of wong fu, mak tak chele tel el shanti shak, bak uma chiki lekorach machu chong umetes at the chuchak Most of that is from memory, <laughs> and most of that of failed. And, and there's, uh, there, I've met, I miss, did some mispronunciations, but I don't think the Klingons are going to come and kill me for no, no, that no, no, language no. in this that, instance. That, that, but, be a, yeah, oh my I gosh. was expecting <laughs> when 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 Anson Mount says, "I think the last thing any of us need is singing Klingons." You get like, singing Klingons. <laughs> like I want singing Klingons, but what I want is. Opera, uh, Klingon opera, because that's what Klingons would be singing and in going into battle. And no, we get, I'm going to kill you with my necklace. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I thought it was funny. It's funny. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But in the moment, I was like, well, I know why they said we have, we have found the subject. We, we found the cause of our dishonor. <laughs> it's like, and we were going to come and kill us. Like, well, I understand why you're angry at it because it makes you look like Idiots. <laughs> I have never been a fan of boy band music Fair. or boy band choreography. Fair. And I hated to see this happen to the Klingons. <laughs> I'm just saying, especially since the actor who played the head Klingon was one in the main cast last season. Okay. And he came back for this because it's like, well, we got to get the whole cast on this one. It's like, okay. <laughs> And it's, it, it's weird. It's like, it's not bad. It's just, it's not what you expected. It's not what you, it's wanted. not what I expect. It's one of those things going forward when it's not fresh. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like it, it, there's not going to be this moment of what fresh heck am I, what, what fresh feklar am I seeing here? <laughs> it's going to be, uh, okay. This is just meant to be a fun episode. Go with it. Enjoy it for what it is. It was fun. Don't get me wrong, but right. it's just, in the moments later, it's like I was going to review this episode for a podcast. I would have issues. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Because it's, it, it's it's not that it's done badly. It's just it is done in the same way that Buffy the Vampire Slayer did it. Okay. That's the best explanation. It's basically that kind of episode with that kind of logic. Okay. It works for Buffy because that's magic. Mm-hmm. This is space magic that they kind of tried to techno babble away and it kind of didn't work. Okay. But for the most part, it's just a fun episode. This is not any worse than Spock's brain. Okay. Or uh, 
the one where Wesley Crusher gets is is going to get executed because he accidentally tripped and fell on a bunch of flowers, mm-hmm. or Doctor Crusher getting uh, yeah turned on by a ghost from ancient Scotland on another planet. Or okay. so many other weird, bad episodes. Hmm. Okay. Anything think else? They're, they're weird, good episodes, and they're weird, bad episodes. I think this is more of a weird, bad, but I can also let it go. This is not This is not as good as the Lower Decks crossover. In my opinion, it's fun. It's good. I, I kind of am curious if we'll ever see any of the extras that were obviously brought in for this one episode again because they needed dancers. Except the dancing never came up in this. Great, there's actually some good songs. Yeah. So, uh, because they use this for like character development that's been happening throughout the season to kind of mm. bring some things in here. Spock's song about uh I've done the calculus, she's the Y, and now I'm the X. Okay. That's a tough song to listen to because it's like he's come to the realization he's gonna have to, you know, let Nurse Chapel go. Because mm. even though he's developed feelings for her, there's just no future really between them. Okay. That's a tough song. And then um, Uhura's song about how she's good flying solo, and that's a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing that she's always had to be, always had to fly, uh, work mm-hmm. solo for so many things. Yeah. That's actually a great song. It's, it's very, got a very, uh, a, a very power ballad esque. It's very power. It's, it's a good song. There's a couple of songs where I'm listening going, you could have left that one out. That one didn't help any. Okay. But for the most part, I know I've kind of said, eh, eh, it's it's okay, it's bad, it's good. I don't know. It's a it's I've seen better fun episodes. Okay. And I've seen worse fun episodes. Okay. This is not worth this is not sinking the series anytime soon. Okay. So and I'm looking forward to the series season finale next week. And then in a month, we start lower decks. Hmm. And I, well, we are not starting Lower Decks. Yeah. Lower Decks is starting, and yes. I may do some fun stuff with that. You just have to keep your eyes peeled right. for that. We'll see how that goes. So, other than that, what else have I been watching? Yeah. Um, I mentioned Buffy. Like, I had watched the actual musical episode, and I haven't watched the musical episode. I just, I, know, I was, it was, I just know it exists, and I know it's popular. So, I, I was, well, when you mentioned it, I was thinking, like, okay, but, he he did the research. He actually watched the episode. No, I did not watch the episode. Okay. I just know it's well-liked, and I have a feeling the reason it's well-liked is the reason why many people will like this one. Okay. And I suspect it's because they had something to base it off of, mm. a, a formula to base it off of, and that's what they did. I don't know. Uh, I did go back and watch, because I, I have been meaning to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because I've never watched the show. Oh, okay. So I went okay. back and watched the two-part opener. Hmm. and it's a good show i enjoyed what little i've watched i'm gonna have to keep on it but there's a lot of show because it's like what seven seasons plus mm-hmm. angel yeah so that's and i think that's another five seasons yeah be hard on that. so i don't know how quickly i'm gonna go through it but hey just a fun little thing to watch when i'm bored and needed to edit something should be able to do that um of course watched x-men and uh, oppenheimer and uh other than that oh uh youtube you know we talk about uh dragon ball z abridged every once in a while yes uh i've been watching their commentary tracks okay that they it's more of like they're reacting to their own stuff yeah basically and they've been doing it in like two different versions there was uh 
Kaiser and Lanny, you know, the guy who voices uh, Trunks and the guy who voices Vegeta, mm-hmm. ironically. Uh, <laughs> and they, revo- they voice a lot of other characters. Yeah. They've been going through it on theirs. And then Taka, who is the voice of Nappa mm-hmm. and Cell. Vegeta, Vegeta, Vegeta. <laughs> Nappa, Cell, voiced by the same guy. Really? Yeah. Uh, he's been doing it separately because he, he doesn't live near them okay. where they are now. He'd been doing his part separately. And then uh, as they're going into the end of the Cell Saga, he flew down and recorded a bunch of episodes with them. So they're slowly releasing. I've been watching all that because it's like, it's interesting to see their thoughts on all this stuff. Even Mm -hmm. if sometimes I go in, yeah, I don't think you understand why I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. But uh, the version that Taka was doing by himself uh, finished uh, in the last week. So a week and a half ago, I think. Uh, so I've enjoyed that. It's been fun. Okay. Because uh, it's interesting to see what their, not just their, wh- why they made the decisions they made when they were doing the abridged series, mm-hmm. but even their thoughts on the original series uh, and why they may, why there's some like weird cutaway jokes is interesting. So okay. Uh, if you're interested in, if you like Dragon Ball Z abridged and you haven't checked that, go to Four Star Bento, I believe is the YouTube channel. They have this on and uh, watch those. Those are kind of fun. Okay, cool. Uh, other than that, I have not really watched anything else other than I have been playing a lot of Final Fantasy 14 mm. because with the uh, announcement of the new expansion, even though it's a year away, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like, okay, it's time to jump back in, get caught up, do all the cool things, finish all the stuff I've, I've been meaning to finish, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Try so, to save a dragon from being turned into a demon fighting a giant knight in another world on a red moon. Interesting. That's what happened in the last part of the MSQ. It's like, oh, okay. oh, this is fun. Hmm. So this is a lot. This is just as much fun as fighting the the uh, depressed bluebird of happiness at the end of the universe who's turned into a raven. Okay, then. This happened? Not in the way you're thinking. Not okay. in the way I just described it. I intentionally obscured information. Okay. So, be like, so also, how many times do we have to teach you that lesson, old man? So, here, here's a funny story. Here's a funny story I want to tell real fast. So, I'm leaving work. I'm leaving work, and Mandy, one of our office manager, who's a hoot. Uh, I don't know if Mandy ever listens to this podcast, but hi, Mandy. Um, so I'm leaving, I'm, I've got my, got my gear walking out of the office. And, um, and so one of our, I mentioned her before, uh, apparently she had called two of, uh, two of the office managers be like, you guys are just nerds and dorks. And it's like, it's like, why did she say that? It's because a, they read the Harry Potter books and B, they watched the movies. I'm like, really? That's what most people do. Like everybody, for the most part, has read the books or watched the movies. I I have very dear friends who be like, would make. I'd be like, I'm 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 a nerd, but I know nerd nerds that just be like far surpassed like my good friend here with Star Trek or anything. It is just nerd about everything, and it's funny i love it all the time it's so funny but there again this is not throwing shade at anybody who is a nerd nerd anything 
because I think we all have our our geekdoms that are just be mm-hmm. like our 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 love our our zenith of just love of something. So uh, so when hooks in pop culture, yeah, our hooks in pop culture. That's a much better thing. So uh, yeah, be like if if you are a uh, if you love Harry Potter, if you love Star Wars or uh, Star Trek or anything like that it's like yeah if you if you if you like that that's cool and if you want to geek out about it just geek out about it that's totally cool and sometimes it's cool to watch people geek out about stuff they love so yeah so yeah what do we have in the news the cell cast news with your host jacob heron Well, I think and going into the news, uh, we just finished our review of Oppenheimer. So speaking of Oppenheimer, uh, Barmenheimer continues to dominate the box office. You see, why she, is this a thing? <laughs> I have no idea. It's brilliant marketing, though. Unintentional marketing. Unintentionally. Uh, she's everything. He's uh, as as the uh, the article says. She's everything. He's just become death, destroyer of worlds. Um. Uh, uh, with the review of the franchise revi- uh, revamp of TDB Ninja Turtles. Mute Mayhem is ready to throw down in theaters. Preview preview night screen Tuesday earned the Paramount Pictures uh Disney not Disney uh Nickelodeon movies point gray animation feature 3.85 million dollars. Box office watchers are predicting that the new Turtles Adventure, directed by uh Jeff Room, uh co-directed by co-directed by Kyler Spears with Severin heavily influencing as a writer, exclusive producer, and voice star, uh will make uh, approximately between 20 million and 14 million over its first five days of release. The movie was reported to produce for under 70 million dollars. So yeah, it's first grading. It made you know pretty good little chunk of change. You know, it's it, it's estimated to get like between forty and fifty million dollars in its first week, and uh, I'm not surprised because it seems like a fun film. Now, I've I've heard reviews where it's like if you are a hardcore Turtles fan, you might be a little disappointed because they do a lot of things differently, which is understandable. This is not our Turtles, so I get that. I totally get that. Uh, I don't expect for my favorite cartoons to be the exact same thing they were back when I was a child. Because there again, I think uh, as uh, uh, an actor who's worked in Star Wars, that Star Wars was, you know, this for this generation and this generation and just, you know, whatever. Um, So it's kind of geared towards different generations in some capacities and some can just, you know, expand or, you know, go between or have, you know, can affect different generations. But um, with the new Turtles film that's coming out, Turtle uh, Mutant Mayhem, 
Uh, I am not expecting the 1980s cartoon or the comics, which I'd never read, um, or the movies, or the original movies, or the continuing saga of Turtles. Uh, I expect it to be something different, and they always do something different. And I don't like when people just take, like, oh, we saw a screenshot of a character. This is going to be a terrible movie because we don't like the way they portray this character or this or this, like the big thing that came up months ago when they revealed April O'Neil that they made her African-American and heavy set and people are just like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be the end of turtles. It's like, really people give the movie a shot. Watch it. This it's is not out. a Velma situation. Exactly. We don't know what this April O'Neil, we don't know who she is. Be like, she could be a really fun character or she could be in the movie for five minutes. and She's never mentioned again. Who knows? She could be killed two minutes into the film, like Jimmy Olsen was in Batman versus Superman. That is true, but we don't want that. Well, I don't want that either. No, but I'm saying it it's a kid's could movie. Happen. It could happen, but it'd be a kid's movie. That'd be like, what? Seth I'm sorry. Yes, what? a kid's movie. Yes. She got destroyed. <laughs> she got destroyed. She got kidnapped. She never got seen again or whatever. But uh, it's like, yeah, this is a different, this, this is a different generation. So be like, this is geared towards kids of today, not kids of the eighties. So like I'm going in with a nice perspective of turtles and a, a love, a very fond of turtles when I'm growing up and uh, having watched most of the turtle series, you know, as they've come out or gone and watched them. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching mutant mayhem and seeing where Seth Rogen has led the, the four, turtle brothers down a new path so yeah that's all i have for the news unless you have something else Drew. not that i'm aware okay so i'm curious i'm curious whenever um uh, if if um uh, strange new worlds was going to continue with a few like another episode or two i was curious whenever they're going to do an animated episode of strange new worlds yes the lower decks crossover had some animation are the characters from lower decks i, in? I don't want to spoil stuff for you my friend okay but the lower decks there are some scenes that were animated That's okay all i'm gonna say okay all righty all right and there we know a season four of lower decks is already approved but we've known that for a while okay Sorry, that's season four. We already know about season four. Season five. Yes. Which probably means we are get a Final Frontier album artwork for that one. Mm. <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and jump into our thoughts on X-Men. Mm -hmm. Previously on X-Men. Meet the sunky, over monkey, I'm a hunky superhero. I'm two-fisted and electrically transistor superhero. And exotically erotic and aquatic superhero. It was the 1960s, dear Lord. X-Men, X-Men, it's today, it's today. X-Men, X-Men, coming
Spider-Man and his amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. Our first episode tonight, Secrets mm-hmm. Not Long Buried. Yes. First aired on February 17th, 1996, as a part of season four. It was directed by Larry Houston and Fred Miller and written by Mark Onsbach. There was no guest cast this episode. Yeah. Despite the fact of how many characters were in this episode. Yes. Uh, getting into the trivia, we have the debut of Taylor Prescott, Daryl Tanaka, mm-hmm. Watchdog, Tusk, Toad, Bill Braddock, a.k.a. Solar, and Chet Lambert. And we get cameos from Forearm, Strobe, Random, Sinyaka, Reaper, and Copycat. Hmm. The characters of Taylor Prescott, Daryl Tanaka, Chet Lambert, and Watchdog are all original characters created for this series and do not have counterbook counter- comic book counterparts. Huh. Solar is based on the Marvel Comics character of the same name. Both have a similar appearance in Power Set. However, while here he is named Bill Braddock, in the comics his real name is Silas King. Hmm. In the comics, Forearm, Strobe, and Reaper were both members of, or all three members of the Mutant Liberation Front. Hmm. The plot here seems to take some inspiration from the classic film Bad Day at Blackrock, which has a similar plot with unjust prejudice as the theme. In the comics, Toad is a member of Magneto's first Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, Mm -hmm. as well as several other incarnations of the group. He is seen again as one of Magneto's followers during the Season 5 series finale, Graduation Day. And since I have just mentioned a lot of Magneto... In the comics, Senyaka is a member of the second group of Magneto's acolytes. He is seen wearing his acolytes uniform, even though he is not seen when Fabian Cortez organizes the group in season four's Sanctuary Part hmm. One. What are your thoughts on this episode? Uh, I enjoyed it because there again, we we get more solo episodes from characters. Cyclops mm-hmm. again is depowered uh, because. Because they're gonna be like he he learns he learns the valuable lesson to be like even though I I don't have my powers I I can, I can still rally people I can still be the leader that I've been trusted to be, and uh, you know it's basically a, a gang of bullies who showed up and be like oh be like oh but more of a tyrannical role over this little town and um these people have become fray because he's beard monger the leader and are you know just made these people afraid of him and then scott shows up and it's like it's like oh be like yeah i'm not afraid of you i'm not afraid of you i'm not afraid of bullies and so he he stands up for himself and that causes the people of this town to realize it's like it's like hey we don't have to be afraid and uh, i enjoy i enjoyed the episode it was a little bit of a j- jarring to uh it's okay we got cyclops again with no powers 
but it was cool. At least it wasn't a, a, not another knock at uh, Storm, but not be like we get more of her claustrophobia again. Mm-hmm. I, I I enjoy that they're doing more. Yes. They're, they're stretching their wings in a way with storytelling. It's just they had done so much with Storm early it's, on. Oh, yeah. Se- seasons one and two, then three, then four. And it's like, okay, we get it. She doesn't like enclosed places. We understand this now. But um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the episode. Um, now, the next episode, I enjoy even more. We'll get to that in a minute. Yes. Uh, admittedly, when I first was watching this episode this, this afternoon, I thought I was seeing an animation error until I understood that, oh, it was Watchdog who took his powers when mm-hmm. he hit them with the psychic beam or whatever that was. I think that might be my biggest issue is that some of these mutant powers shown in this mm-hmm. episode don't make a lot of thematic sense. Agree, they the characters, they how the characters look. But uh, I actually kind of like this idea of city boy coming to a small mm-hmm. town and they are prejudiced against them and it being that kind of story. Yeah. Granted, um, him being a, a city boy, him being a, uh, being because uh, it doesn't matter if they're mutants or mm-hmm. humans. He, that guy doesn't care. Yeah. It's just, he wants the gold and it's under the town that they had carefully excavated over the years. Just mm. to give him enough to, uh, survive on i'm going then how i mean how, how did you keep everyone from being greedy if that was the case exactly why did it take this guy to find a side i'm taking over mm-hmm. and then i, I kind of liked uh chet chet lambert's uh mm-hmm. kind of you can tell he's like john wayne but not as cool yeah but he's kind of got maybe clint eastwood is probably okay. more more of the feeling for him but it, was, it felt like it's like uh, i just felt like the way he talked was like Mm. you're not from around here are you pilgrim Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i got i got feeling i got that vibe yeah uh and i I thought that was kind of cool um but for like just a standalone episode this was this was good i i like that we did connect it back to what is technically an episode made after this Mm -hmm. because it's actually a season five episode that we saw in the beginning of season three. Mm -hmm. I love the way these things aired Mm -hmm. at this time. Yeah. Uh, So I I like that we get that kind of callback in there with those two characters and uh, the orphanage that Cyclops Mm -hmm. was in. Yeah, that was good. Um, I like that connection. And of course we had an excuse to show off a toy plane or plane made obviously by the designed by the toy manufacturers, not by comic or people who had actual design sense this looks right. like it was designed to be a toy right uh so i, I that, and that's not a bad thing not no. really so i i like that we saw got got that in there and it was just you know just a fun little standalone episode it was just it was not bad it was just not great fair especially when you can set, compare it to our next episode yes. which is oh nightcrawler which first aired as a part of season three that's and right on may 13th 1993 it was directed by larry houston and written by lynn early early i'm not sure how you say that mm-hmm. the guest cast we got adrian howe as nightcrawler aka kurt wagner mm-hmm. and this is of course his debut episode yes uh we all also in this episode we had cameos in the ski lodge by mary jane watson seen drinking from a mug with a spider web on it that's right i didn't remember seeing that right and dr strange and clea can be seen by the window mm-hmm. so everyone's apparently on a ski vacation this weekend 
in which apparently they don't be like rogue is the only one who wants to be on this vacation apparently well wolverine's fine with it if he can go skiing but all they apparently are doing is sitting in the lodge drinking cocoa mm -hmm. which is weird also how why did she invite wolverine if it was meant to be a romantic weekend with gambit that is kind that of is, weird. That is the question. It is, it is, a, it is very much a conundrum about yeah. this. It's like, okay, maybe she just wanted security just in case Gambit goes crazy. Right. He is the raging uh, Cajun after all. Continuing with the trivia, uh, the story editor liked this episode best because he felt that the religious themes made the episode weightier than the network usually allowed. True. Wolverine claims Gambit doesn't break a sweat against Apocalypse or Magneto. Actually, Gambit never faced Magneto in the show. True. The only episodes where the X-Men faced Magneto were Inter-Magneto and Deadly Reunions, and Gambit was absent from both of those episodes. That is true. So he's never faced Magneto. Yeah. Adrian Howe, of course, voice of Nightcrawler in this, also played Jean Grey's father in X-Men 3 The Last Stand. Really? Yeah. Huh. That movie that was so weird. It was okay. Yeah. It was better than the other Dark Phoenix movie. What I keep hearing. <laughs> you did not miss anything. Disney should not have allowed that to happen when they took over. But anyway, um, that's all I got for the trivia on this. Uh, I know you really like this episode. So I do. What are your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts there again is kind of is kind of weird that uh, it's like it's, it's just an excuse to plug Wolverine into the story. But it's just like, it's just more hand-fisted. It's just like, okay, here's Wolverine on this date between Gambit and Rogue. And uh, the the way it's it's so much of a um, coincidence that they, they're like, oh, we're going to hunt for this demon. And uh, it just so happens that they're going skiing and they just so happen to be close to that, that monastery. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, you know, more coincidence or what, what would you call that? Not coincidence, but uh, what's the word I'm drawing a blank? Uh, plot convenience? Plot convenience. There we go. More plot. Like, as much as you've said that in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I just I just I forgot plot convenience for some reason. Uh, yeah, it's a very plot convenient point in the story where it's just they find themselves to, and the, the setup for it is great. This idea of these villagers who don't know right. any better and they... Well, in my mind, why don't you just go ahead and have the monastery be outside of the town where the ski lodge is? Why do you have to go cross country to get to it? And he, like even the, the the main monk says like that's our main purpose is to help you know stranded so, stranded you know people. So why are you so far away from the ski lodge? Why is the ski lodge so far away from this town? Exactly. There's no story reason why you have to have it separated. And I know ski lodges are next to towns. That's where the people who, mm -hmm. who uh, sell you overpriced ski equipment live and, mm -hmm. and, and have their storefronts. So you could have. That is true. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's a really weird point. It's like, it is. Okay, now we're going to go 15 miles the other direction to where this town is that's got a demon. That's like, First off, if you could get to the ski lodge uh, without flying, because you made it sound like you got here without without yeah. using rogues flying, you ought to be able to get to the next town in a car, yeah, not cross country skiing. But I, I understand why they went to cross skiing, like skiing because it's a fun, it's a fun, it's a fun, 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 fun plot point. But there again, you get so, one, you so get convenient. one of my, 
you get one of what my the most memorable scenes for gambit yeah. for me because this is actually a I, I didn't remember I, I didn't realize these were the same episodes i remembered we had a thing with nightcrawler mm-hmm. but the nightcrawler story i remember is much later than this right the only thing i really remembered from this particular episode was gambit accidentally charging a tree yes and make, making oh, it explode that was hysterical. I, I thought i go i remember this why don't i remember the rest of this <laughs> that was literally my thought on that and it's, right. it's a good episode it is uh, i agree i was just i i, I we were i was watching it and going because i remember thinking oh we're actually going with the we're, we're going to the monastery are the christians the bad guys because mm. that's how things are written nowadays mm-hmm. and it's like no the christians aren't the, the monks aren't the bad guys and it's this is not kurt having his come to jesus moment he's literally a brother of the he's mm. one of the monks he is he is literally one of the monks exactly in the thing and apparently one of the monks didn't know this which is kind of weird it's <laughs> kind of strange it's like how did you not know that there's a guy that looks like a the blue devil who's yeah a part of your ecclesiastical order yeah it's like how did you not see that how did you not know this he's not like he's hiding yeah really he's running walking around in the same robes you are he's you can see he's his gloves are different shape because you know they're they're three Three fingers (laughs) what how did you not know this but i like the idea it's like the guy even even the even the bad guy in this Mm -hmm. who you know sets everything he even he gets convicted yeah it's like yeah you were the bad guy you made a mistake but you came around and realized no this is my doing and it was wrong Mm -hmm. i have sinned i'm thinking you actually used that phrase correctly yes (laughs) wow and then the next, the, the you get some of these other scenes, and they're talking about how uh, uh, there was some of the theology that Kurt uh-huh. has in this. I was like, I disagree, Kurt. Yeah, <laughs> and but the thing is, I can see that in some other teachings, and I'm watching, listening, going, okay, you did actually do some research and didn't just write what you thought Christians believe, yeah, without actually looking into what Christians actually believe, specifically Catholics, I believe. Yeah. Not a he wasn't Protestant, obviously. Yeah. And I liked uh you know, he gives Logan a Bible at the end yeah. with certain phrases. Mark's like, Yeah, you, you know, all the troubles you're having, I, I went ahead and marked some key phrases, key verses mm-hmm. you might I love that. At. Yeah. And you get the and of course it makes sense that that Remy has mm-hmm. uh, some religious thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I guess it kind of makes sense that Rogue wouldn't because she's still kind of, uh, well, she's the original Ed George, let's be honest. Uh, she, she's she's had a lot to complain about, and I can see why she would not believe in a god that would gift her with the yeah. what feels like a curse that she's had all her yeah. life. Had I, I, her power set. I, 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 enjoy- I, get, I get where she's coming from. In yeah. That, mm-hmm. Which is very interesting when you consider her and Kurt are adopted siblings in a way yes Mm -hmm. because they're both the children of mystique Mm -hmm. kind of one by birth one by adoption yes uh (laughs) so yeah that but that last scene where rogue walks in on wolverine 
in the church and he is praying. Yeah. And you can tell Wolverine means it. Yeah. It's like, oh, I agree. Whoa, this is a this is a Fox kids show from 1995 and you're actually representing religion positively. Mm-hmm. Agree. This is weird. <laughs> oh, I agree. Because normally it's like, yeah, we, we don't mention religion at all because it's too much of a hot button issue. And yet it's like, not only do you mention religion, you actually treat it positively, not negatively. And especially since it's, Christianity, which you guys all hate, hates Catholicism, but mm-hmm. still. Uh, so I say all all you guys say that's not fair, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not the popular one right now, especially uh, back then and even now. So yeah, I appreciate it. I was like, oh, this is actually, you must have had a Christian write this because you get so much of it right. Yeah. Granted, the whole part of, uh, if 90 was what do you, what do you say like 95 75% of the world believes in a higher power why are they all wrong yeah it's, or i can't some of them i think i don't remember exactly how you said it they go well i mean i get where you're i get your point there nightcrawler but as a catholic which means you believe in some of the christian teachings that i believe in mm-hmm. i do think you should think your religion is the one true religion. Yeah. I would think, but anyway. Yeah. It's like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Be like, there, there is one very glaring animation error. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. So where the, the monks are asking rogue rogue to wear robes because it would be more well, distracting. And now her ski suit had got torn. Yes, it did. Admittedly. It did. It'd be like it, it was more plot and beans for later. Right. But and they, and, and they get her to wear nice robes. Yes. So she decides she's going to go and check on Gambit. Yeah, it's Gambit. Yeah, she's going to check on and Gambit. She gets up and she's still in her ski outfit. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene, oh no, she's back in the robes. Okay. She's back in the robes. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, I think you cut the scenes wrong. There. They did. They cut the scenes wrong. Sorry, I jumped in on yours. So. Like yeah, I I enjoy I enjoy that episode. I enjoy the 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 conflict where Wolverine we 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 get the more hint that he's lived a very long time, and he's tried the whole religious thing, the whole God thing, and it's not he does he doesn't he he has become uh jaded jaded. He's become cold hearted to it. Uh, he's he's closed himself off to it, and then you have Nightcrawler who is more, he more stands out than anybody else. And we get his backstory, which is like, okay, it's Mystique, obviously. And then it's like, oh, okay, here's deeper connections here. But you get this amazing point where a very religious man who believes in God is having all these terrible things happen to him. And he's praying that these people will understand that they will, their eyes will be open to what is true, what truth is, mm-hmm. and not to they. They are, you know, just they are. They are being driven by fear, and uh, I. And then you have this point where um, I like that his first line in this, after they're all yelling and screaming at him, mm-hmm. all the villagers are because they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, I love that! Oh my that, gosh, that's a great callback that to was. what Jesus said. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do not want they know they what, they do, what they, do. they do, which is just incredible. Because there again, like as a child, I mean, it's like, wow, this is really good. And uh, you know, 
I mean, like there again, I come to know Christ when I was nine. So uh, this would have been about that time. So I'd have understood a little bit better. But now as an adult who is, you know, as a little more grounded in his faith and knows mm -hmm. more about scripture, it's like, wow, this is really good. And Bill, I can't pinpoint the prayer. What, because uh, uh, Logan is like he's quoting scripture, but I can't pinpoint where he. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's Psalms. I know that, but be like he's be like he's he's asking God to well the the setup where Rogue is talking with Remy about it, and he's like be like oh there's 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 nothing out there, yeah, and just be like just belittling in the whole bit, and she walks off frustrated. She wants to believe in something. She wants to have some understanding of why she's like this. And then just so happens she finds a flyer and there's a chapel and she finds Wolverine praying, you know, with a, you know, with, you know, saying a verse that he, you know, obviously read and asking God to help him understand. And it's just like, you know, for, you know, forgive my unbelief. Mm -hmm. And it just like, it's so touching. Now it's like a, a like someone who is, you know, is walking the faith, uh, much deeper than I was as a kid. And uh, it's just so well done. So, so well done. I think he's looking up now. I am looking it up because I am curious. I actually wish it had shown me in the thing. But. Yeah. But uh, like, this is a very powerful episode um, that has a lot of um, really deep understandings like where be like we, we get our prejudices from fear. Fear things we do not understand, and if it's just if it's just mutants or whatever, it's because you know God made it that way for a reason. That He He's trying to show us something. It's not it's like oh God is punishing us. It's like no, He's trying to teach you something. And so I uh, am not sure on the translation mm -hmm. He is reading from. Yeah, but pretty much. Everything I'm looking up is saying that it's Isaiah 12, chapter 12, verse 1. Mm -hmm. In the ESV, it says, it is, uh, you will say in that day, I give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me and your That's anger it. turned uh, angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Mm -hmm. It's just basically what he says yeah, in does. that line. He does. And it's just like, wow. Because I recognized that. I thought it was, uh, I didn't realize it was Isaiah. Ironically enough, we're going through Isaiah and our sermon series at church. Um, Amazing how that works that way. It does. But I thoroughly enjoy this episode. It's so well done because then you have uh, like Rogue kind of it's like if 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 this can touch Wolverine, this can help me as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like, yeah, we're not loading this. Be like if you're struggling with something, you're struggling with addiction, you're struggling with, you know, sexual immorality or something like that no you're not alone in fights people be like because be like we do serve a god who loves us deeply and that is he sent his only son to die for us mm -hmm. so and for more encouragement like that we do suggest go checking out our friends at geek devotion yes go go talk to them about it or just talk to anybody yeah. any of us in our group yeah exactly uh, most of us are christians yeah exactly a lot so, of us are I a lot say. of us a lot of us are at the very uh, least, talk to me and Jacob. Yeah, we'll do what we can. Yeah, exactly. And if we we if we don't know the answer, we'll go. You know, we'll, we'll get you them. in touch with the people who do. Exactly. So yeah, just like if you're if you're like struggling with addiction, you're struggling maybe your you know, like your sexuality or something like that. You know, go talk to somebody. Don't go talk to the world because the world's going to lead you down the path you don't want to go down. 
So go talk to people and be like, because yeah, people who do care. Like sometimes I struggle, struggle with be like not people caring and that kind of stuff. So yeah, people care about you. I have to I have to teach myself that every single day almost. Right. Not not every day, but some days. But um, yeah, just realize you're not and you know be like you're not alone in this. So just you know reach out and talk to people. Anyways, so yeah, this was an amazing episode. Definitely as an adult now, as a uh, someone who follows Jesus even closer now than I was as a kid. And uh, it was very moving. It's very, very moving. And uh, uh, this, I, I was shocked the second they passed. You know, the the Fox censors. I was like, they they let this air, and it's it's done very yeah, well. It is strange that this actually got past the censors. Exactly, because they. Well, I say it's weird. I mean, Animaniacs was getting away with stuff worse than this in terms of blatancy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, usually the religious stuff doesn't get passed at all. So right. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, great episode. Next week, we are going to be looking at the episodes "One Man's Worth" parts one and two. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a couple weeks, we have a special uh version we're doing we are going to break away just giving y'all a heads up we're not going to tell you what we're doing yet but we are looking at at something that is connected to x-men the animated series i'm reviewing but it's from a different store different show so that's right we'll let you more in on that as we get there yeah so yeah other than that uh do you have anything before we cut out of here no, I think I'm I think I'm good. Just they're gonna be like, this is a really, really good episode. Oppenheimer is a good movie. Now, if you have more I don't want to say sensitivities, but be like you, you're yeah. not you're not comfortable with nudity and sexual situations. There is that issue. There is that issue. But uh overall I enjoyed it. Uh these two episodes are really, really good with X-Men. Uh go check out um how do you say it again? The podcast. Oh, the enthusiast, enthusiast pot uh, podcast. Go check them out. It, it's you. You get more theology, and mm-hmm. it's it's really cool. Anyway, join us uh, next week for uh, Princess and the Frog and One Man's Worth. And uh, in the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob, and we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. I try. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's Photo Bin, to see his photography. His letterbox page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at the Cellcast Podcast, on Twitch at the Cellcast Gaming, on YouTube at Cellcast, on Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L.
meet again don't know where don't know when but i know we'll meet again some sunny day